Well, hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing today, tonight, whatever time of day it is? Oh my goodness, oh my stars and garters, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Sea Report, coming to you live on this Monday night. 2022 is the year, and the date is May 9th, and the day is Monday. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everyone doing today? Hope you guys are doing great. We've had quite a day here, ladies and gentlemen, over at the Mr. C Studios. Goodness me, oh my, I can tell you guys, I have had quite a day. And uh, I know uh, I know at least some of you folks over there in the chat room were uh, hanging out with us during the previous showing here. I'll tell you what, guys, that uh, that hearing was quite the rabble rouser, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, but it was nice to see everyone except for that Matt guy get together in the kumbaya spirit at the end, you know. Uh, that's what community is all about, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, nevertheless, uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, and uh, definitely for those of you who are joining us in the future on a replay or who perhaps were not hanging out with us for the last, what, three hours or so, uh, we had the Otero, New Mexico uh, 2020 election audit results, uh, a hearing that they were having in their county with their commissioners uh, oh man, informational, uh, to a point, right? I mean, uh, we election audit buffs in the audience and abroad all already knew what to expect. Uh, but I think, uh, the best thing about that is it goes to show guys, there are certain patterns of election fraud that we didn't see just in Arizona. Oh, but wait, that was a bogus audit, wasn't it? Ha! Well, guys, we are, in fact, seeing the same patterns of election fraud across the board in every state that is either managed to perform an audit or some type of an investigation. But nevertheless, guys, we will get into that in just a moment. We are not going to start with the election. I just want to say hello to everybody. You know, here we stand on a, a, a Monday, May the 9th. You know, I've had quite a day and uh, it feels like it's been a while since I last saw you guys. I was like, well, we hung out during the weekend, right? We hung out during the weekend. Uh, we had a Trump rally that we attended on Friday. Um, and then we had what? We had uh, some episodes of Mr. C in the Dark on Saturday and Sunday. And then we also had, or no, it was Friday and Saturday, wasn't it? And then we also had the premiere, the virtual release of 2000 Mules, guys. So I feel like I've been going quite the distance this past weekend, ladies and gentlemen. And it's only been two or three days quite the distance. And that's a lot to catch up on, ladies and gentlemen, a lot to catch up on. Uh, nevertheless, we do have a full show for you guys today, including uh, a kind of a summary of some of the election audit results that we saw in Otero County. Okay. And there are some things that I particularly enjoyed about their presentation. 
then we have uh, some other tidbits of election audit and integrity information that I'd like to share with you guys, uh, including another state that's rising to the top in regards to uh, election investigations into 2020. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, of course, uh, any election audit or integrity or fraud story would not be complete without your shenanigans and without your rhinos, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll be uh, talking a little bit about that. And uh, we are going to wrap up tonight's show uh, with a uh, a brief presentation on the um, uh, World Health Organization uh, takeover of the world, basically. Um, you know, uh, it, it seems that uh, leave it to the United States of America underneath a globalist hack puppet regime to hand over our sovereignty, but not just our sovereignty, the sovereignty of every nation in the world that's involved with the WHO or involved with um, uh, the WHO or signed on to their international health um, uh, emergency plan there, the IHR. So we'll definitely talk about that, guys, because uh, that is something that slipped underneath our uh, purview. It was way off our radar. Um, and now we're about, oh, I don't know, two weeks. That's right, guys. That means we've got two weeks to make as much noise as we can to tell them that they should not vote to hand over our sovereignty to the World Health Organization in the event of a medical emergency. Two weeks, guys. Two weeks, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that big old distraction from, uh, you know, this uh, Roe v. Wade, Supreme Court, etc., 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 is part of that. I mean, maybe, maybe the Roe versus Wade issue would not last through uh, the midterm elections, right, as some people speculate. Or maybe it was meant to last just long enough for the uh, people of America and the world to not care. And, well, I guess it would be America, right? The world doesn't really have anything to do with Roe versus Wade. But... At least that way, uh, the people of America would not care because they would not know because uh, it was uh, totally hidden from them. And uh, it would just last through this uh, upcoming vote uh, during the World Health Assembly, taking place May 22nd through the 29th, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, yeah, so that's exactly what it was for, guys. And you know... It's the same old story with this Roe v. Wade. I mean, I know there's a whole bunch of new little, like, uh, I don't know, scenes involved in this movie that they're shooting of the Roe v. Wade drama, uh, the Roe v. Wade distraction. But this is this is generally what we're seeing, guys. This is generally what we're seeing. All of the progressives, all of the Democrats, all of the left-leaning liberals, and all of the self-avowed communists and socialists. This is This is basically the gist of the story, guys. This is the gist of the story. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's about all that's going on right now. Okay, and and they're doing that in front of Supreme Court justices' houses, domiciles, places of a residence. So uh, there you go, guys. That's a bit about what's happening on tonight's show. A full show. A full show by all means. Uh, I honestly was not expecting on to be this late tonight. Let me tell you about my day, right? Uh, we uh, we uh, live streamed or live streamed a feed. We had a watch party. 
um, about uh, the New Mexico um, election audit, okay? I'm telling you guys, time zones, oh my goodness, do they absolutely just um, trip me up, guys. Um, and so, and, and that mountain time zone is a little bit trickier because uh, I tend to forget it exists, right? I'm like, what is there between El Paso and Nevada? Not much, anyways. So, um, uh, I was actually planning to be on much earlier today with the C report to be quite honest with you guys, but then, uh, yeah, the time zone thing happened and then I ended up being much later than expected. So that should make for an interesting show. Ladies and gentlemen, glad to uh, be here with you guys this evening. We'll catch the late night crew. You know what? I'm pretty used to the third shift anyways. So uh, we'll just roll with it, guys. Um, thank you all. If you got to, we had a pretty sizable audience for the uh, New Mexico audit hearing, the results hearing. I was quite happy to see that. I was also checking in on some of the other um, platforms that we are live streaming it on. Uh, it was a pretty good numbers, pretty good numbers. So I'm glad that many of us were able to see that live as it was happening. It was, uh, it was riveting, guys. Riveting and uh, full of everything that we might have expected, right? And so uh, we'll, we'll leave that there again, guys. And, uh, well, you know, now we're going to get into tonight's Supercy Report. Uh, but yeah, the election audit hearing in New Mexico. Great thing that, and it's always good to see that more and more states are getting involved or have been involved, but we just haven't really known about it. Or, you know, we have to dig a little bit deeper, right, underneath the surface uh, to really suss out what is happening in this country. But good stuff all around. All right. Very good. Very good. Um, uh, by way of uh, actually by way of one more housekeeping item before I forget. Uh, and this goes in particular to our podcast listeners, guys. Now, we had some issues going on with the podcast uh, that were discovered. And so I just wanted to make a quick update to that, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, the podcast side of it, um, our um our podcast platform uh, had um, disabled all of the um, sound files on the uh, server, so I could not access them. Uh, but that has since been fixed, ladies and gentlemen. I, I got into contact with them and they fixed it. So that means that uh, the C Report will soon be returning to a podcast near you, ladies and gentlemen, particularly if you're interested in catching the C Report, this very, uh, very program, this very broadcast, this very, very show, this very uh, citizen-led, America-first, you know, um, um, patriotic um, show, right? <laughs> as curated by myself, Mr. C, otherwise known as Michael Aaron Cossidis. Uh You can check it out over at anchor.fm slash the C Report. Anchor.fm slash the C Report. And uh, what I figure I will do, see, we're on two, episode 280 is where we were uh, kind of booted over there <laughs> at uh, anchor.fm. We're on 297 today, guys. So I got some catching up to do. What I figure I will do, what I figure I will do is I will most likely um, start uploading the most recent episodes and then I will work my way back. So, um, because if you are listening to the podcast tomorrow, when this is uploaded, well, you're going to get this message. So rest assured, ladies and gentlemen of the auditory audience, 
there will be more episodes of the Sea Report being uploaded shortly. Now, some people might say, that's old news. That's old news. I want, you know, and or maybe they want to go in order, right? I'm kind of like that. I like to go in order. <laughs> but, uh, you know, most of the news here is timely at the Sea Report. And it's also news that you may not hear anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. And I can say that. Uh, with the fa- as a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, yeah, well, of course, we source our material, of course, here at the Sea Report. Uh, but uh, we still look for those stories, uh, you know, that uh, kind of strike the fancy. You know, we do a lot of election integrity stories, a lot of election audit stories. We really like to pick at the details. We don't just like, you know, we don't just like circling the carcass. We like to get into the inner gut and intestine of that carcass here at the Sea Report. So, uh as opposed to just telling you they're having election audits around the country, we're going to take you to New Hampshire, we're going to take you to Colorado, we're going to take you to New Mexico, we're going to take you to Kentucky, we're going to take you to uh, Texas, we're going to take you to Florida, we're going to take you to, uh, you know, Michigan. And then from there, we're going to take you into the counties, right? And then from there, we're going to take you into the actual hearings, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes of it all. So uh, look forward to that, anchor.fm slash the sea report. We try not to keep it too general here, but we love our speculation. Oh, yeah. And then one last item of uh, housekeeping just at the head of the show. We have a brand new uh, coffee mug, the Trump Kofefe mug. All right. Uh, available at the Mr. C store. Right. That's just to keep us open, just to keep me afloat, just to pay for all of the uh, platform streaming costs and everything. It doesn't uh, it doesn't pay for my food, ladies and gentlemen. It just pays to keep this show running. Uh, so catch it while you can. This is a limited edition. OK, a limited edition. Uh, Kofefe, of course, uh, will actually revealed on this mug is what, in my opinion, is the actual, real, true-to-life meaning of Kofefe, right? So I'm sorry, guys. I know I do a lot of debunking, right? But when it comes to Kofefe, I just, right, almost took the joy out of life for everybody. I'm sorry. I don't mean to do that, guys. I don't mean to. You know, people were like, no! <laughs> no, Mr. C, that's not what Kofefe means. Uh, it could mean it could mean multiple things. Kofefe could. Well, I mean, you're right. I guess it could. It is an acronym, after all. But uh, what I've come to find out it means is, of course, the Kofefe Act of 2017. In case you hadn't heard about it, then you didn't hear the last two times I ran the same story on it. And uh, here we go, guys. H.R. 2884, the Kofefe Act of 2017, otherwise known as the Communications Over Various Feeds Electronically for Engagement Act of 2017. So before I get into reading the fine print on this uh, act that was passed in 2017, kind of think about it, guys, because uh, some people want it to mean irum and valadium and platinum and all this stuff. And some people want it to mean coffee so they can sell their coffee. Uh, I, I put it on a mug so this way I could like, you know, show people no look, Kofefe, right? So if anything, I actually made this for myself. <laughs> but anyhow, um, uh, the main thing with Kofefe, guys, the main thing with Kofefe is it was uh, plastered all over social media back in the uh, Twitter heyday for all those who were 
uh, following Trump and doing the Trump train thing. And it was a great marvel that uh, people really ran away with, especially on the memes. It was beautiful. So I'm going to have to make a meme that is about the actual Kofefe and just strip all the joy out of the Kofefe memes, right? Anyhow, uh, you know, it's just like they, it's just like the friend that corrects your pronunciation, right? <laughs> I don't want you guys to go out there looking a certain way. Come on. Some of you guys have, uh, you know, corrected my pronunciation. And I know it's because you care, not because you're saying I'm stupid. So anyhow, so, uh, you know, and so the Kofefe bill, you know, uh, was kind of a slap in the face because what did Trump do when he said Kofefe? He got the whole mainstream media to say Kofefe. Little did they know that this bill would actually preserve all of his electronic and social media platform communications. But of course... All of the uh, diehard memers out there kind of ran away with Kofefe, making fun of the press and then also making it mean their own thing. I don't think anyone ever looked up what Kofefe actually meant. And I know that because the first time I told this report, this story, everyone was like, oh, my God, I never knew that. And I was like, would you believe that it's actually a bill that was passed while he was in office? So anyhow... I still get the pushback on the Kofefe. And you know the reason why Kofefe came back, right? It's because President Trump returned to what? Social media. That's what he said. I'm back. Kofefe. Do you think he was just saying that to tease? Well, actually, he probably was teasing the MSM legacy media. Um, but, you know, at least my viewers will know, unless they just really dislike the fact that it's named after a bill. <laughs> At least my viewers will know what Kofefe really means. And I hope that they in turn will pass forward that knowledge and education and tell other people, no, you're wrong. It doesn't mean that that's what's inside the, um, it's not the venom that's inside the uh, <laughs> COVID-19 inoculations. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, okay, okay. It could have multiple meanings, but I don't think so. I don't think so. It's too unique of a word. Uh, anyways, just so you guys can tell that I'm not pulling your legs. Uh, the bill amends provisions governing presidential records to, one, revise the definition of documentary material to include social media, two, revise the definition of presidential records to include any personal and official social media, and three, define social media as any form of electronic communication such as a website for social networking and microblogging through which users create an online community to share information, ideas, personal messages, and other content such as video. The uh, COFEFE Act of 2017, the communications over various feeds electronically for engagement. Try and remember that one and say it three times fast, right? Try and remember that one and say it three times fast. And you can be one of the only cool cats that has an actual true meaning of COFEFE mugs. <laughs> All you have to do is go to thecreport.com and click on the store link at the top corner on the right. That would be your right, not mine. And uh, you can go ahead and check out the Kofefe mug, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you. And I'm going to have a fun time actually clipping this out and totally taking the wheels off of all of the uh, video platforms out there. Uh, let's not forget, this is another limited edition. These are limited editions. That's why I'm showing it to you guys. It is the uh, Everything Woke Turns to Shit Victoria Millie mug, ladies and gentlemen. Also still currently available on <laughs> at the at the C-Store. Uh, so I would say definitely if you want to memorialize that great line from President Trump, 
everything woke turns to shit, then you might want to get your Victoria Millie mug today, guys, because it's gonna go, and when it's gone, it's not coming back. All right, okay, that, ladies and gentlemen, as they say, is that, and that is the housekeeping for today. So anyhow, hey, you guys asked for this, the merchandise, so I'm just trying to do my part, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, Tam Growl asks a good question. So will past president's communications be subject to this tune? I wondered about that. I wondered about that. Now, I would guess maybe not because, um, um, because you know, for one, I don't know how retroactively they could go into social media and, uh, you know, uh, document the president's tweets and posts and stuff. And at the same time, I don't even know if those presidents had, uh, you know, social media. Anyhow, so I don't know. I don't know that those that it's retroactive, you know. Uh, but one thing is for sure, guys. If uh, in 2017 they hadn't passed the Kofefe Act, I think it's very easy to say that when they banned him from Twitter, all of that communication would have been lost, and now is part of the presidential record. Uh, and that's pretty cool too. Talk about modernizing, uh, you know, um, the uh, modernizing uh, the way that uh, we maintain our records here in this country, uh, and and for all future presidents. Gosh, man, I wonder. You, you know, I really wonder what they're gonna do with illegitimate Joes. You know, communication. He was never really a president, right? So does that mean that they're not gonna store it? And at the same time, since he was never really a president, uh, I guess everything that he did the last uh, year and uh, six, five or six months, uh, they can uh, they can just kind of like null and void type of things, right? Right. His his amendments to the IHR of two thousand five will mean nothing, ladies and gentlemen. At least that is what we can hope. That is what we can hope. So, yes, we had a very, very full weekend, guys. Um, we had, like I said, the Trump rally on Friday. It was a very good rally. It was a very peculiar rally, ladies and gentlemen. A very peculiar rally. Rowdy. Uh, rowdy. Rally. Rally. That No, it was not rowdy. Um, the uh, New Mexico audit uh, hearing got a little bit rowdy, but the uh, Trump rally in um, Pennsylvania was not rowdy. Um... It was it was peculiar. There were a lot of mixed feelings about it, you know, uh, still to this day, which is I mean, it's granted it's only three days later. So, of course, it's still a little fresh. It's still a little fresh. Um, I had a few moments to find my resolve and everything that I watch now to the uninitiated viewer. The rally in Greensburg, Pennsylvania was a rally like any other, with the exception that you had a couple of more recognizable faces than normal. You know, you had uh, Dr. Uh, Mehmet Oz and then you had J.D. Vance there as well. And those are the couple of faces I'm referring to, by the way. Um, but, you know, it, it was it, it was a, it was the same old, same old to the uninitiated. Initiated, ladies and gentlemen, as far as uh, the the, um, the speech that President Trump gave, um, a very very colorful um, audience they are in Pennsylvania. But uh, but to the uh, discerning eye, ladies and gentlemen, there was a whole lot more going on there, and of course, you know, um, uh, many are talking about the. Um, 
the endorsement of Dr. Oz. Uh, some people think that that was not the Dr. Oz from Oprah. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but anyhow, um, yeah, a, quick, a quick search can answer questions like that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and uh, let's see here. A questioning questioning uh, J.D. Vance's endorsement, which I might say for Pennsylvania, I actually was rather impressed with his speech. Um, of course, if he is acting, then his acting must be as good as his writing then. But, you know, I'm not even going to, at this point, speculate on that notion. Um, and then, of course, there was um, um, President Trump's introduction of his good old buddy. And, of course, that was one Woody Johnson. Uh, I think he's an owner. He owns, I think, the, the who, who does he own? The Mets? Or he owns some team. Sorry, guys, I don't uh, keep up with all of my uh, sports leagues and uh, teams and stuff like that. He's, he's, a, he's an owner of a, a major league something or other. Uh, but he's also, I think, the heir or the owner of Johnson & Johnson. I mean, that's everything from Band-Aids and talcum powder to uh, uh, COVID-19 death jabs, right? So, yeah, so, the, the, you know, that left a lot of murmuring within the awake America, nay, within the Trump supporter, nay, within the MAGA crowd, the MAGA crowd, the Make America Great Again crowd, supporters, believers, uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, I, it took me a minute to kind of like uh, suss through my own personal feelings and emotions and biases, of course, you know. But, you know, guys, we're really going to have to just see and uh, wait and see what happens. I got a, a good perspective came across my desk that just went back to remind me, ladies and gentlemen, because I kept telling myself, well, you know, this is his uh, second, you know, uh, term. So he should not have to uh, he should not have to be uh, putting people in the spotlight anymore or holding them under. The, he should not be making mistakes. He he should already know not to be listening to certain people. But come on, guys. I mean, really, if you think about it, uh, this is way deep, way over our heads type of strategy here. You know, I didn't write The Art of the Deal, so I really don't know. I've never even read The Art of War, ladies and gentlemen, nor have I studied game theory. So, I mean, there's really no telling what could be going on here, guys. We may not like an endorsement, and indeed, we as the people, the constituents of any given state, but most definitely within these United States of America, that's uh, where the ball goes back in our court. If, for example, President Trump has indeed made a bad decision or was listening to bad people or is really a deep state shadow operator who's ready to uh, screw over and betray the American people. Right. You know, so, uh, well, you know, it's always been up to us, guys. It's always been up to us. It just took us like, what, 200 and something years to really wake up to the point that we could make a difference. You know, so, um, you know, at that point, guys, you know, if we're not doing our homework and making our verifications and and then, you know, um, uh, getting our own local representatives whom we voted for if they won the election to uh, act on that measure of accountability. That is on us, okay? And uh, just because, you know, um, um, he, he, President Trump and his administration and those who are supporting the America First movement and the restoration of our constitution have done such a good job does not mean that we can just sit back and do nothing again, okay? And then just watch the party Right. And just watch the party and wait for the military to come and save us. OK, because I guess what? If there's no one there to receive the handoff when the military is ready to give us back our nation, 
they may not do it. Or you know what? They may just fail at their mission. And you know, I, I, I really don't like to think about our military failing at missions, guys. I would say it's a rare occurrence unless it's under bad leadership, right? Or maybe some other uh, crazy scenario going on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but this perspective that was lent to me about endorsements and our questioning of whom he endorsed, even this late in the game, right? Um, it, you know, President Trump suffers and suffered and still suffers to this day so much scrutiny, so much scrutiny, right? So much scrutiny from who? His peers. And I'm talking about other world leaders. And from who? His subordinates, his equal branches, right? Right, from judges, from legislators, right? Scrutiny, 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 okay? Uh, and, and worst of all, and most blatantly from the legacy media, okay? The shame stream, lame stream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media really does a number on him. So uh, is, is it safe to say that maybe perhaps um, those whom he endorses um, need to be able to weather that same storm? Now, between this time and November midterm elections, we'll find out, guys. You know, Dr. Oz, whom I am not a fan of as an endorsement, that's personal to me. It does not have to be personal to you. Um, he said himself, President Trump, Trump knows I'm a tough guy. He knows I can handle it. And Trump told me that they're going to come after me. Well, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out because already uh, we see a lot of murmuring happening. And, you know, it's to be expected. You know, I could join in the chant as well as far as murmuring against Dr. Oz. But for now, I think I will just uh, maintain my own sense of decorum and uh, faith that uh, there's a greater power at work here and continue doing my own digging. Because uh, so, trust me, guys, you know that when I'm ready to let it out, I'm ready to let it out, right? You, you guys know that when I am ready to let it out, I am ready to let it out, okay? But as far as, as far as seeing that these endorsements can weather the storm, that means the storm of scrutiny from both the legacy media and also from the patriot community, the awake Americans, okay, the America first individuals, right? Uh, because there's still a lot of nooks and crannies that need to have some light cast onto them, if you think about it. And uh, a lot can be revealed when you have uh, um, subversive type players in motion. So we, we will have to wait and see, but uh, keep them phones and them email us handy because you never know, guys, we might need to make a phone call or we might need to write a very passionate letter about our uh, thoughts and our concerns to those whom we have elected to represent us. Now, speaking of bringing things to the light, let's talk about Woody Johnson, guys. Woody Johnson. Now, there's a lot about, you know, first of all, um, uh, Johnson & Johnson, right? You know, uh, try and brainstorm over that one, okay? And maybe it is just bringing someone to the light, putting a spotlight on them, as it were. I mean, if you were to take a look back at Woody Johnson and some of his history, I would ask, well, how come you guys didn't, uh, how come you guys didn't feel a certain way about Woody Johnson when he was uh, Trump's ambassador to the United Kingdom, right? Because he was. 
Trump appointed him his ambassador to the United Kingdom in 2019, and he served in that position. Uh, but, you know, interesting enough, prior to that, Woody Johnson was also um, a huge supporter of uh, the grand old pedophile himself, Herbert Walker Bush, guys. Indeed, he was. In fact, Woody Johnson served on the campaign team for Jeb Bush. In fact, Woody Johnson seems to be just a Bush master kind of a person. He's donated millions of dollars to the Bush family. He raised $7 million for uh, John McCain. So there is a lot of cause for concern with someone like Woody Johnson. Now, I also read that he was at one point a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Could not find the receipts on that other than like, you know, a, um, uh, a conspiracy theory blog, right? No, like an independent blog, but uh, no receipts on him being a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. So I was kind of still kind of digging into that one, kind of figuring out like, if President Trump um, is like putting the spotlight on him, for example, and not just uh, brandishing his billionaire friends for the world to see and bragging about their money and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or, or name dropping or coattail writing for that point, uh, why would he be wanting to flash a spotlight on Woody Johnson? Other than the fact that now, the people can put a face and a name to Johnson and Johnson, which in itself is, you know, kind of helpful, right? It's kind of helpful. Um, but, uh, well, you know, his wife, as uh, was mentioned, is actually um, a big supporter of you. She's Ukrainian, right? Uh, didn't live in Ukraine, but lived in a Ukrainian neighborhood in New York, if I remember correctly. Uh, has been working very hard to raise money for Ukraine. And I don't think we need to get into all of that, ladies and gentlemen. We all know, right? We all know. You know, uh, it's, it's, all about, uh, it's all about them Nazis for people like me, guys, and also the globalists who control it and all the globalists who want it. But did you guys notice, instead of uh, talking about Ukraine anymore, all of these virtue-signaling SJW progressive liberal lefties, uh, they ain't talking about, you know, um, Ukraine anymore. Instead, instead of having the blue and yellow flag on their, uh, you know, social media platform profile, they got this instead. I I the point of the court court Okay, guys. All right. That's the last time I'll play that. I promise. I can't help it. I can't help it. That's just uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. All right. Okay. So uh, anyhow, so well, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what's up with that, guys. But uh, yeah, Woody Johnson, you know, Woody Johnson. It's enough to make someone doubt the last four or five years of their life. Right. I know I've already seen it everywhere. You know, I've already seen it everywhere. People are like, um, uh, Trump has never been out of touch and off message. And he is now. And I was like, did you just read that article from Salon? Because they said the same thing. What are you doing reading Salon? I thought you were a patriot. Hey, I do the news, okay? I read everything. So that's my excuse, all right? That's my excuse. <laughs> Anyways, guys. So, th I mean, that's kind of a wrap for it uh, on as far as the rally this past weekend goes um, or, or on Friday. Of course, if you didn't get to see it, uh, you can most definitely check out, um, you know, um, my Rumble page, which has uh, the whole replay. It's actually a five or six hour, um, <laughs> five or six hour replay because uh, we all, well, I was on the air for six hours on um, 
Friday, uh, doing a sea report and then also doing the um, rally and then also doing a post rally conversation with Java. So good times, good times. Uh, clipping out the sea report episode and also the post conversation with Java in case any of you guys want to check that out. Uh, we'll have that available at Rumble. Of course, you can also find it over at the foxhole.app and Clout Hub. Uh, the, as far as the replays go. Um, and then also uh, talked a little bit about it with uh, the episode of Sea in the Dark on Friday night. Uh, that's been clipped out. So if you guys aren't aware of it, uh, I've started doing clips of the shows, giving you little nuggets and chunks, right, of uh, what I talk about here and the stories and the news that I present. A little bit e easier to digest, a little bit easier to share in your social media links and stuff like that, because after all, if you tell your friend, hey, check out this uh, story about X, Y, or Z, and then you send them a three-hour episode, that's going to be kind of daunting. Plus, then they have to search for it. So, you know, uh, make sure you check it out. If you are watching us on Rumble or if you have not been to the Rumble page, please head over there and follow uh, or subscribe, and as well as any platform that uh, you can catch the C-Report on. Uh, absolutely. And don't forget to like and or thumbs up, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to like and or thumbs up. So speaking of rumble, right? 2000 mules happened over the weekend as far as the virtual release goes. And 2000 mules indeed caused quite the rumble, caused quite the stir, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I would say across all span of the media. Uh, I mean, of course, of course, the legacy media which includes Fox News, was uh, quite hush-hush on the matter. Quite mum. Uh, unless they were decrying it or debunking it or something like that. Uh, they, they really didn't have much to say about it. But Rumble was actually down for a little bit intermittently between Friday and Saturday. I think by Sunday they got it totally fixed. Um, they had uh, suffered a DDoS attack, from what I understand. That was pretty massive. They tried to take them out. Uh, but they were not able to keep them down. Uh, th that's actually why we did not live stream Saturday night the Sea in the Dark episode uh, because um, it was broken. <laughs> it's working again today, guys. So it's, I'm glad to say that it is back up and working. But indeed, 2,000 Mules uh, made a splash across the, um, across, um, oh, well, you know, across the interwebs and I think across the minds of all those who got to see. I mean, it was like in 270 theaters around the country when it opened or when it premiered. Uh, then they had their virtual premiere, of course, and uh, I didn't get the numbers on that, but my understanding is it's, 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 in the, it's in the thousands, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, if not more. Uh, it might be more by now, actually, because uh, that was a number I read, I think, on Sunday, but uh, it might be in the millions, but actually I think it is in the millions. What am I talking about? Hello, it's a virtual release. And now you can actually get it without having to pay for it. Silly me, right? They even had a link for it. It said, uh, the link said, or, or, or watch this content first. <laughs> if only I had seen that, ladies and gentlemen, I could have gotten you better quality. Anyhow, so uh, yeah, so it made a splash. And you know, obviously, we are seeing some of the reper repercussions of the information that was given out in 2000 Mules. Now, for my part, I found it to be um, really what I was, I found it to be really what I was expecting and a true truly good documentary, one that was informational, informative, and then also 
uh, really um, uh, spoke to uh, the language of the people. You know, it was it was cine- cinema, cinema graphic, cinema, c- cinema something. It had movie style type of quality to it, right? Which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and uh, it was a discussion with uh, information. It didn't leave you asking any more questions other than when will justice be served and who are the NGOs and who are the nonprofit organizations that these mules were going to? Uh, well, maybe it did leave you some questions. Maybe it did leave you with questions like, uh, how can we figure out who that mule is and, and, and when are they going to arrest them, right? Or when, when is law enforcement going to get involved? All that stuff is coming. I'm sure, ladies and gentlemen, um, at least the last I checked into with uh, information on um, True the Vote's investigation. Where are you at? Oh, that's the wrong one. My bad. Hold on, hold on. Uh, yes, uh, it was, uh, it was indeed making a splash. Let me see what I got over here real quick. Next up. Oh yeah. So, uh, like I said, um, they were getting a DDoS attack over there on Rumble, but also, uh, we are seeing that, um, they are attempting, they being the powers that be are attempting to, uh, silence, 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 uh, the documentary, for 2,000 mules, okay? So if you share links about it, if you talk about it, uh, etc., you know, you're going to get banned, you're going to get censored. So already we're starting to see a massive type of um, a censoring campaign against 2,000 mules. You know why that is though, right? Because they can't debunk it. Their, de- their debunkations are just so weak, okay? Uh, I mean, wh- what is it that we've read about the debunking? It's like, uh, oh, geo geolocation uh, data cannot get that specific, right? A- and we know based on what they talked about in the film and, and based about what they have talked about for months, really, I mean, months, really, they gave us the skinny on how they did it and what their parameters were for their investigation. I mean, we've been reporting about it here at the Sea Report since July of last year, okay? That's how long we've known about it. It's just caught fire now that uh, it's come out in a uh, shiny and uh, quite well put together documentary. Um, it's uh, just come out with that, that people are really catching and good. That's the purpose of it. It's a good thing that a big name like Dinesh D'Souza got involved. It's a good thing that they put it together in a, um, in a documentary. Cause that was the way it was going to reach the masses, you know, um, because otherwise, uh, who else is going to report about it? Right. Uh, but yeah, so we've known, but with the debunkers, what do they say? They say uh, you can't get that accurate of geolocation, even with the parameters, you know, even with the parameters that they set out, the debunkers are debunked because those are some pretty specific parameters. And uh, you can send out any low level journalist or low level, you know, henchman out there to try and tell a lie or gaslight the American people, or at least those who saw this film, and those who saw this film will know instinctively that they're wrong and that they're probably not an expert, but they will sound like they are, or they'll say the experts say, well, who the heck are your experts? That's what I would like to know. Who are the experts that say that this was wrong and that the data was wrong? Really? Okay. Okay. Uh, more surprises coming up in that regard with True the Vote. But, you know, so like I said, they're getting censored. This was from their Facebook. I'm actually surprised they're still on Facebook. 
Uh, it says, extremely important update. We've received numerous reports of widespread censorship of posts about 2,000 mules across major social media platforms. Our website to help citizens engage in democracy and clean up the voter databases has been fully blacklisted on Facebook. <laughs> but there's, there's, but their account is still up, so that's good, right? That, that means the prayers are working, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Um, it says, uh, Instagram has reportedly been blacking out images from our premiere with POTUS 45 in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, TikTok is uh, flagging accounts distributing video clips of last night's premiere in Vegas for inciting violence. Right, because uh, they're going to have to send their Antifers and their BLMers out there. And guess what? That's violence, right? So yeah, that, they are inciting violence by showing them something that they can't handle and have to destroy. Twitter is shutting down accounts. Uh, Rumble came under unprecedented, atta unprecedented attacks trying to prevent the stream of the video. If this isn't proof that big tech is absolutely terrified of America seeing the evidence we presented in this movie, we don't know what is. We don't know about you, but that is making us double down and shout even louder. Our country is on the line, friends. Are you going to stay quiet about it or will you help us spread the truth? If you're in, make sure everyone sees this and knows what is happening. So they're definitely coming under attack, assault. Uh, it's exactly what we could expect, ladies and gentlemen, from our dear friends known as the inhumane, censored, communist, socialist uh, people. Um, I don't think I've seen a documentary this banned since Shadowgate, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. Okay. So, all right. And so, indeed, yes, guys, they had their um, um, premiere in Las Vegas, okay? Uh, censored or not, this film has still gotten out en masse, ladies and gentlemen. We're seeing the repercussions. They're talking about it everywhere. People who were once on the fence with the fence well up the crack are turning over to the right side, the light side, I don't know. They're turning away from the dark side, okay? No more is this the big lie of the Republicans, conservatives, or Trump supporters. It's quickly becoming the big lie of the Democrats and the left-leaning liberals, the progressives, those who uh, are self-proclaimed socialists. And just so, ladies and gentlemen, for they are the masters of projection, and uh, it's about time that they had their comeuppance. And you can't deny it. You know, watching the documentary, you know, just sitting there like, ooh, finally, we get a little bit of truth. We get a little bit of truth from an investigation that is rather genius and unlike uh, any other type of uh, um, informational item to kind of wallop, you know, the uh, deep state and all of their actors, bad actors and henchmen upside the head. Uh, just like it uh, during tonight's hearing in New Mexico, they got to be wondering, what the heck are we going to do? Ladies and gentlemen, what are we going to do? So silence those people, right? Uh, yeah, but speaking of, speaking of, uh, you know, the censorship of the legacy media, you know, we shared last week, for example, about how Fox News uh, was not promoting this idea at all. In fact, we know I clipped out some very nice pieces about Sean Hannity 
that uh, uh, were said during this past weekend's See in the Dark. I highly recommend you guys go and check that out over at the Rumble page. But um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Fox News, yeah, yeah, operatives. Okay, well, now we've known that for a time, ladies and gentlemen, at least people in my audience have known that. Um, you know, um, uh, people who are aware of the 2020 election theft or acknowledge it or know that it happened and were watching Fox News that night is basically where the line in the sand was drawn, okay? The elections, ladies and gentlemen, more specifically the one that was stolen in 2020, so blatantly, obnoxiously, obviously done in a way that uh, even if you were half awake, you would notice it, right? Now, that's where the, the line in the sand against Fox News was really drawn, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, I would encourage everyone to just bloop with the Fox News, right? Right? No more energy, no more, um, what you call it, uh, no more pandering, no more acknowledgement, no more watching, unless it's on like some independent, uh, you know, person's um, a video platform profile page. And it's just to uh, how you say, um, uh, share, share an episode or share, uh, share an interview. That's the only reason why I would do anything with Fox News is to share an interview. Okay like uh, Michael Gableman on uh, Tucker Carlson or something like that, right? <laughs> indeed, ladies and gentlemen, indeed, okay? Okay, uh, you know, the rhino is not extinct yet, and rhinos come in organizations as well, not just in elected officials. They had this to say about Fox News during the premiere in Las Vegas. We'll run this clip real quick for you guys to check it out. Uh, aware of what we do, how we do it. I think you guys need to publish the list of all of the stash houses, the 5013Cs, and publish the names of all of the donors to those people and let the whole world see who was, because they are the middlemen, they are there, and I, you may have legal issues or some other liability issues, but I sure as heck would like to know who's running 5013Cs doing that kind of bullshit. Thank you. Why don't we throw this question to Greg, who can talk a little bit about these organizations? Yeah, you know, you sort of read our mind. I mean, there, there's no question that that um, you know that we've uh, been making plans. Um, the reality of all of this is, of course, as you mentioned, you know, there's lawyers and everybody else breathing down our neck. Fox Fox's lawyers are are you know keeping it off Fox and and uh, there, there's just say, a, say that again. The, Fox's lawyers are keeping it off of Fox. Fox News. Period. And so, so what we've decided to do um, at the end of this movie, uh, if you get opportunity to watch it again, you can download it. You can Salem now um, and on Rumble. And and at the end of the movie, it'll cut to the True the Vote um, logo. Then it will go to a QR code. So just a little hat tip to our eighty thousand friends here. Under that QR code is a short video that Catherine and I did to explain exactly what we're about to do. We call it the ripcord. We're going to publish every single finding that we have, every single minute of video, um, every single conclusion, everything we have, we're going to publish. Uh, and as you said, um, pull the ripcord. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's fight. 
amazing, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's everything that I could hope for, you know? Uh, there are always the next steps, those guy. There's always the next steps that we have to also keep in mind. But, so that's the next thing that's gonna happen with True the Vote, ladies and gentlemen. Now, okay, so here's the thing, y'all. Here's the thing, y'all. I might have said some things about the people of Pennsylvania, okay? Uh, when during the Save America rally on Friday, we had um, Dr. Mehmet Oz um, cheering on Sean Hannity. Now, much to my surprise, I was expecting all of those awake Americans, America first, uh, make America great again supporters to hiss at Sean Hannity's name. Instead, we had a thunderous applause for Sean Hannity as the patriotic uh, Make America Great Again, Save America uh, news broadcaster. Now, I'm willing to bet, and this is where, this is where I will make my concession, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the, uh, that they had not seen, <laughs> that they had not seen True the Vote's um, 2,000 Mules, Okay. And they are not aware that um, Fox News is not being allowed to uh, air or talk about anything about 2,000 Mules. One has to wonder at this point, guys, did Dominion's lawsuit scare them out of talking about any type of election integrity or election fraud matters? That's the question, okay? It's those nice little, uh, you know, caveats that we really have to focus on, right? Those nice ornaments of, huh, I can't believe that. That's some, that's some shit right there, right? Because that's exactly what we're seeing, okay? That's why I say, you know what? If you, you want to run an interview, I guess, I'm not saying, of course, that all of the anchors and reporters at Fox News are corrupt. Uh, 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 I'm not talking about Sean Hannity, okay, guys? I'm not talking about Sean Hannity, yeah, who most likely knows exactly what's going on in Ukraine and is still calling for the death of Putin. He must have his money somewhere, Sean Hannity must. He's not stupid, okay? He, he's very much so an operative, ladies and gentlemen. That's what I uh, think. That's what I feel. That's what my gut tells me. And we're going to shout it from the mountaintops. But, you know, so the next steps for what happens with True the Vote's 2,000 mules, that's where we really need to focus and concentrate. Now, of course, along with this geolocation tracking isn't accurate, and how do you know it's not a bus driver? How do you know it's not an election worker that's going to ballots every day to all 28 or 29 ballots in the region um, at 2 a.m. in the morning, right? An election worker, right? <laughs> that's how come, you know, these debunkers cannot get one over on the people who have seen the actual documentary because they know election workers don't, you know, uh, follow the same route at 2 a.m. no matter what state in the country that you live in. And they know that cab drivers and bus drivers also don't have those types of routes, okay? So uh, you, that suggests is simple logic. It's simple logic, ladies and gentlemen. It's simple logic. And you know what? Um, I think they've bitten off more than they can chew with this one. There's so many, uh, so, there's so many layers to this fraud, but um, this one really exposes a big old chunk of it. And, and the part that it exposes is the part that is easy to see and easy to understand because what? 
People can't be told, they have to be shown, right? And no one wants to read an audit report, and no one wants to look at statistics and graphs and charts, uh, and no one wants to look at a room that's stuffy and full of, uh, you know, people who are trying to seek restoration and justice. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just too much for them, you know, but if you put it in a documentary and you show all of this video footage and you see them actually dropping in ballots on ballots on ballots, uh, it's kind of hard to refute, okay? And considering the nature of technology these days and how, uh, you know, um, technology is obviously held in high regard, you know, um, people are more willing to accept it as a fact. I mean, hello, geolocation. Everyone knows that your phones do that. Do you know how many people have their location services turned on everything in their phone, right? Everything from their apps to their photos to their videos. And so like they can then go to uh, whatever cloud server, big thing, like say they're on Google Chrome, right? They can then go to Google Chrome and they can open up their account and they can look at their videos and their photographs and there will be a timeline and there's even a map that shows them where they were in the world. Oh yeah, I remember last year I was over there in Colorado. Look at, you wanna see those pictures from my trip, you know, to the Smoky Mountains or whatever? Uh, Smoky Mountains aren't in Colorado, are they? Anyways, that's not the point. The point of the matter is everyone knows that phone and geomapping works like that, okay? It works like that. So these debunkers can't really get away with trying to gaslight people on this type of information. It's just not going to work, okay? So next steps, of course, you know, with all the debunkers also saying, yeah, show us the names of the NGOs and the nonprofits that these people went to. Well, they're going to do one better. They're going to show you the offices of the politicians that they went to. Show me the money, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we already knew that Stacey Abrams was implicated. So I am absolutely thrilled. I'm stunned. I'm gagged to find out who else will be involved? And I wonder if there's going to be any Republicans that they went to the stash houses or any, I don't know, Republican organizations. So the reason why I say that is because clearly it's turning out that election theft is also a, you know, a nonpartisan type of thing. Because we know that the right has been stealing just as well as the left has been stealing, okay? And and that maybe is the reason why all of our conservative Republicans, our rhinos in the offices, have been doing absolutely nothing. And I would definitely say, ladies and gentlemen of this audience and anyone else who gets a, a hold on this broadcast at some point, you need to take note you need to take note, whether it is your state legislator or whether it is your uh, federal representative legislators, of what they did and what they did not do, okay? Because election integrity and election audits has been the perfect litmus test. It's been the perfect litmus test to gauge where those who say one thing and do another stand in regards to their respect for their constituents. It's the perfect litmus test, okay? And this is coming to a head, ladies and gentlemen. This is coming to a head. Yeah, I just pray that uh, we get a whole bunch of Democrat uh, offices and NGOs and organizations 
and they're all tied to the DNC or they're tied to the Clinton machine or something like that. Let, let us marry the two RICO cases of ballot trafficking and election fraud and uh, trying to take out President Trump as the duly elected president of these United States of America. Let's put them together, right? Let's just, we know it was, let's just put it together. So I pray somewhere in this, and you know what? We're going to talk about Stacey, stinky Stacey Abrams later on. Hopefully, hopefully Stacey Abrams was signing those checks. All right, my good old George Soros money. Mm-mm-mm, gonna pay for that ballot trafficker. Mm-mm-mm, here's your $200. Here's your $5,000 ballot trafficker. And take your ballots and make sure you send me the photos, says Stacey Abrams. Okay? I pray, okay? Like, uh, seriously, guys, they needed Roe v. Wade to come out right now. They need a war to happen. They need some really mega, you know, not MAGA. They need an ultra MAGA false flag right now, right? We're not even going to bother with ultra MAGA. And I'm not going to take the fun out of it. uh, Because, I mean, uh, illegitimate Joe came up with ultra MAGA. So uh, you guys take it as you will. Anyways, okay, so... (laughs) Anyhow, 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 let's find out about the next plan from True the Vote, ladies and gentlemen. I am quite riveted. Let's check it out. This is going to be a fraud like you've never seen. Unleashing a barrage of false claims of fraud and corruption. Why is it always conservatives who seem to get censored? All right, Greg. What do you want to do? Release it all. The, the video, the data, all of it. Make it all public. The world needs to see this. Okay, well, we've already built a plan. And I knew you would. So, uh, how long is it going to take? Um, give me a few weeks. I'm leaving right now. Wait for my mark. Then we will pull the record. Now, you know, everyone, I, you, know, I want, you had to go and hit a QR code to get that video. So that's interesting. They, did, they didn't put it at the end credits like they do in the Marvel movies, right? I only know that because my uh, brother-in-law would tell me they would do that. Anyhow, he was like, you never stay till the end credits. I was like, why? <laughs> I'm a purist and that movie sucked. Anyways, so um, yeah, well, there you go, guys. True the vote. If you want to join in on the fun, I don't know what they have planned. Uh, I guess you can download all of the uh, data. But talk about not being able... I mean, that that is a uh, that is an avalanche of information that they will not be able to quiet. And everyone's going to get their hands on it. You know, people are going to be making independent reports. You know, OAN and all the... They're going to be running reports on all of this data. Can you imagine a treasure trove of information coming out for you all and myself included? But I I don't know that I can uh, download like uh, 10 petabytes of, uh, you know, election... (laughs) No, but they're releasing releasing the, uh, the addresses... The names of the organizations, guys. The names of the organizations. I guess the real question, and this is uh, True the Vote's website, 
truthevote.org in case you want to go check it out, ladies and gentlemen. But, you know, I guess the real question that is coming up here is like, uh, what are the states going to do about it? That's really the next step in this process. Okay. Now it's up to, uh, it's up to, um, law enforcement. It's up to, uh, legislators. They need to have their hearings. They need to get themselves in order once they finish wiping their pants, their backsides off because of the emergency they had when they saw this film come out, you know, they, they need to clean up a little bit, right? They need to stop shivering from, uh, from that, uh, idea that justice might be coming. So um, that's the next step, okay? That's the next step. Now, um, a- as we'll talk about in a story coming up a little bit later tonight, you know, uh, well, you know, the good old sheriffs of the uh, country could stand up and do their job, right? Like the uh, Sheriff Schmaling did over there in Racine County, Wisconsin, right? He did an, he did an investigation into election integrity and fraud. Sheriffs can damn well do that job. You know, it doesn't have to be the state legislators. It doesn't have to be an audit that's being put on by the people through their, um, through their states, you know, state houses. There are many people that could perform this. Of course, they don't want us to know this. And of course, this is also kind of territory that is new to us, guys. We are in total unmarked territory, like the geography of this land, we do not know. I mean, we've been in this, I would, I would argue we've been in unknown territory since 2016, guys, because we have not had a, uh, we have not had a, a lover of America, a fighter for the constitution, a restorationist for the Republic since that, before that time. So I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to wager that we've been in unmarked territory since at least 2016, but oh, have we gotten deeper into the woods since then, ladies and gentlemen, especially because Americans are fighting back, right? We're not giving up. We're not stopping. We're not relenting. You know, we will not give up. We will not back down. We will not relent. We are moving forward with this, guys. So uh, check it out over at truthevote.org for more information. I'll also keep be keeping my eyes on this as well as I have been for almost a year, guys. And um, also, uh, also in regards to moving forward with investigations into the work of True the Vote. I will also be keeping my eyes on Georgia, and I would recommend that you keep your eyes on Georgia, too, if you're a content creator. Um, but, uh, you know, that's because, uh, in case you didn't know, Brad Raffensberger was forced into opening an investigation into ballot trafficking, okay? That is where True the Vote struck first. They struck first in Georgia, and we're going to see what he does, guys. I mean, he's, he's, got, uh, he's got his elections coming up, right? And I don't mean the elections that he's overseeing. I mean his own personal election, right? Because he's running again uh, for Secretary of State in Georgia. So with that in mind, let's see if he actually does his job. Or let's see if he sits on his thumbs and waits to kick the can of responsibility and accountability down the road to uh, someone else like A.G. Brnovich did. Oh, wait, I forget. Uh, Brad Raffensperger can't kick the can down the road because he'd be the one that's receiving the can, but he can ap- he can absolutely uh, pass or shirk off that responsibility and give it to the Georgia Bureau of Investigations or something like that. He's done that before. Okay, he's done that before. I don't I don't want to do an investigation as election fraud or, or or proving the evidence here. You take it, Georgia Bureau of Investigations. That's Brad Raffensperger for you guys. I'm I'm. So glad to know that no one here or present 
will be voting for that man. But we'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, what's this? Oh, <laughs> how'd you... Oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong screen. My bad. <laughs> okay, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. So, uh, unfortunately, the Aunt Tifas... <laughs> hey, that's my aunt's name, Tifa. No, just kidding. ...are on their own. No opposition uh, confrontation for them to confront or civil war they desire. You're absolutely right, Tam Growl, because none of us are going out there and, uh, you know, um, getting into a fight with them. That's a good thing. Now, you know, it's uh, like we uh, did our show on Saturday, uh, Friday night on uh, PSYOPs and stuff on Sea in the Dark. I mean, absolutely. They want us to go out there and fight. They want us to go out there and, uh, you know, uh, uh, storm the Capitol and, uh, and, and, and hold them accountable and hang them high, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that is not going to happen. We've been fighting a civilized revolution for quite some time. Hey, Anaconda AZ. Oh, in AZ. How's it going? Good evening. Welcome into the chat room. Uh, but yes, uh, wait. And then Tam Girl says, that's the first place I'm going to blow up SPAL. <laughs> About Georgia. Oh, did, did Sydney say that? I don't know if she said that or not. That's interesting. Uh, so, you know, I don't know if President Trump is just not publishing statements anymore or if we have to go and look at his true the vote account in order to get those statements. So uh, I didn't see any statements from President Trump. There was a very happy Mother's Day. Oh, and I am so remiss not to um, wish you mothers out there a belated happy Mother's Day. I told you a lot was going on this past weekend. Uh, but, but yes, happy belated Mother's Day to all of you mothers and biological women out there. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could say birthing females, but, um, or, or persons. Uh, but anyhow, uh, Lord knows that uh, my percentage of trans viewers is pretty high, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Anyways, I don't know what planet you're on, but uh, definitely not my planet. Uh, so, yeah, so I didn't have a statement per se. Uh, President Trump had a very lovely Mother's Day statement on his True the Vote um, 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 uh, website, profile, platform, thingamajigger, and uh, some other things. But, uh, well, you know, we did have a video release. We got a lot of videos to start off the show today, don't we? We did have a video release from President Trump. He was uh, poking fun at illegitimate Joe. So let's run this one real quick. We're just going to get these all out of the way, guys. <laughs> Unless you want me to, unless you want me to play the, uh, the, um, Supreme Court video again. <laughs> I only get one more shot if I do it, guys. It's the rule. Uh, you can only do gags up to three times per production because after that, yeah, the audience is just not going to like it no more. Anyways, here we go, guys. Let's check out, uh, I actually have not seen this, so let's see what's up. Television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. What am I doing here? Oh, Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. The, klep, the guys who are the kleptocracy. <laughs> but these are bad guys. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. I wrote the bill on the environment. Pay them more. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure, isolate, and punish China. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the you know the thing. 
So the best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, he played that during uh, the rally, I believe. I just didn't, uh, we didn't air it whenever they did because I didn't want to get sued by RSBN. He should have said, he should have said, they're kleppers. They're a bunch of kleppers. That would have been funny. <laughs> would have been like, did he get the reference there? Did you get the reference? Okay, y'all. Okay. All right. Well, that brings our show to an end, guys. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. We got a little bit more ways of a ways to go, guys. A little bit more ways of a ways. We're starting with some election stories for you guys tonight. Uh, the first one that is top of the mind, of course, is uh, what we just witnessed over there in Otero County, New Mexico. Now, this is the best photo I could find without just showing you the geographical location of Otero County in New Mexico. Ladies and gentlemen, this is part of the team that is, uh, that is otherwise known as the New Mexico Audit Force. Now, I got to say, guys, I was very curious about how this audit was going to go. You know, we have, of course, the gold standard, and we all witnessed that in Arizona and Maricopa County, okay? Uh, we had um, the investigation that happened in Antrim County. We had the audit that took place in New Hampshire and Wyndham Township. Now, the Wyndham Township, New Hampshire audit was nothing like the Maricopa County audit. In fact, only three people participated as auditors, okay? Two of which vanished a week and two weeks, respectively, prior to the audit's conclusion. And one of which everyone knows as the big old stinky Sasquatch, Hari Hursty. Okay, now there's another thing about Hari Hursty that's interesting because I think it's on Frank Speech TV. I've been seeing the, or at least the, the one time I was actually on there, I saw, well, not the one time I saw it that it was on there, um, they were running clips of Hari Hursty interviews where he's talking about yeah these machines i have been saying for so long that they are just they are just defiled and these machines i mean they can be accessed from empty ways and these machines i don't understand they're running on the, the, the software from like 10 years ago and i tell them like all of these clips ladies and gentlemen of harry hursty all of these clips of harry hursty talking about how he's diligently professed and proclaimed and warned and, you know, got uh, sounded the alarms and was running up a hill with a torch and telling everybody about how these machines are not to be trusted. Hari Hursty. And yet I've never read one single report. I've never read one single paper where Hari Hursty did that, let alone the 2007 uh, expose that he showed that the Diebold machines, which is a very specific machine, which is basically utilized still only in the Northeast. I think they've pretty much, you know, gotten rid of most of the Diebolds. And those are the old model machines, guys, that came in prior to these Dominion ones, that how they could be hacked, okay? Uh, most interestingly... In that very same uh, documentary where Hari Hursty exposes, uh, maybe I should have a picture of Hari Hursty up here, but where Hari Hursty exposes, okay, how the machines can be hacked by hacking into the memory card, okay, during the Wyndham Township, New Hampshire audit, 
wherein Hari Hursty was hired, that's a lot of H's, right? Was hired to um, uh, do the, uh, the forensics audit of the machines and of the uh, memory cards. Hari Hursty found nothing wrong. In fact, Hari Hursty was like, it's not on the memory cards. No, the memory cards are dull. You can't, you'd go back to like episode number 80 or 70 something of the C-Report. We covered it in May of 2021. Okay, that's when they were running the, the audit. They, it was like three weeks long, all right, in Wyndham, New Hampshire. We were there almost day by day by day until towards the end. And then we got back. Uh, and we did an update uh, just before the audit concluded. That's why the people of New Hampshire are all wound up and angry at their legislature because they know that they are being snookered, okay? Um, and so it, since that time, uh, they started doing their own independent, like the canvases are, have been taking place in New Hampshire. But from what I understand, uh, the people who are in charge of those um, um, uh, canvases are actually being threatened and harassed per, per, per the expectation of anyone who wants election integrity, per the expectation for anyone who wants to, uh, to question and or investigate into the 2020 election. Um, and, and it's no different from what they experienced in Otero County, New Mexico. But just to wrap up the Hari Hursty thought, ladies and gentlemen, Okay, because Hari Hursty is clipped is being clipped out as some spokesperson for election integrity and anti um, uh, voting machine uh, sponsor. But he's not. He's not. He is a henchman for the globalists and the deep state. He works with the United Nations or has in the past. Okay, he totally bamboozled and totally ripped off the people of New Hampshire in their efforts for election integrity because they even have evidence that someone went back into those memory cards and they have the receipts and we showed them here at the C-Report wherein uh, there was obvious data manipulation of the voter rolls and the vote counts, okay? And not to mention that Hari Hursty, who says the memory cards have nothing to do with it, took about 45 minutes to an hour and a half per memory card to do God knows what on his computer. And he was being filmed the whole time. It was it was live streamed 24-7, except for that one fateful Wednesday where the cameras went off for about an hour, an hour and a half, wherein uh, all of a sudden when the lights went back on, they had four or five extra boxes of ballots on the table. Okay. Other than that, it was live streamed 24-7. Okay. So with um, um, Hari Hursty, guys, don't be misled, okay? Whenever the California recall election happened, Hari Hursty was the first one to say, me, pick me, I'll go into California and I will audit the machines in case uh, Gavin Newsom loses, right? And when Gavin Newsom won, well, you never hear from Hari Hursty again, okay? So anyhow, guys, um, the people of New Hampshire since that time who are still fighting for election integrity in their state, who are still fighting to clarify and correct what happened in 2020, I've been going through a lot, okay, particularly the canvassers. Now, in Otero County, New Mexico, the canvassing was the first thing that they did pretty much because you could do that right out the gates without having to, you know, um, debate and barter and go back and forth with your state officials about getting election data, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, because that was all part of a process as well, as I'm sure you can understand. Now, 
the mistake that they, well, I shouldn't say it's the mistake that they made. Because in order to get this election audit in Otero County rolling, they had to give a presentation before their county commissioners. So it was a public event. Now, this is why all canvases happening at this point kind of pop up. And you're like, oh, there's a canvas in South Carolina. Oh, there's a canvas in Colorado now. Oh, there's a canvas in Kansas now. Oh, there's a canvas in Indiana. And it's complete. And here's all the data. Because they cannot share that information publicly because then what will happen is what's happening to the people in New Hampshire now. What will happen is what's happening to the people, what happened to the people in Otero County. You had the Secretary of Snakes, Maggie Toulouse Oliver. You had the state AG. You had several local officials who were spreading rumors to the press that the New Mexico Audit Force was going door to door harassing people about who they voted for in 2020 as if though their comeuppance had finally landed upon them when that was not the case. They, they, they were spreading um, a whole bunch of uh, smear campaigns in the press, local, because it was all local, guys. It was all local, and there was some national press. Whenever the, uh, whenever the, um, uh, the Democrats decided to get involved and do a hearing with their, um, with their committee on um, oversight, uh, and, and uh, who is it that does that? That Representative uh, Maloney, I think is her name. Marilyn Maloney, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. Anyhow, so um, a very, very, very small coverage of this. No one knew it was going on unless you knew, okay? Um, and, and, and at least now it's done and it's out in the open. But the point of the matter is that because they had that public commission's hearing, they got attacked because their enemies had the warning that it was coming. So they got to work, okay? Uh, they, they were uh, smearing them, saying that they were going door-to-door asking them who they, elect- who, uh, who they voted for, which we know that's not part of the canvas, okay? We know that's not part of the canvas. You never ask who they voted for. You, you ask general, who voted for? How, I mean, who voted for? Who voted? Um, how did you vote? No, did you vote? There we go. Did you vote? How many people here voted? How many people live in this house? You know, because then you can kind of figure out uh, whether or not you have ghost ballots, whether or not you have missing ballots, whether or not you have stolen ballots, uh, you know, whether or not you have 20 people living in your house and there's only two people that have been living at that residency, you know? So uh, that was the gist of it, but that was some of the hardship that they went through in Otero County. In fact, just like with Michael Gableman over there in Wisconsin, when Michael Gableman hit the scene in Wisconsin, all the papers, you know, uh, painted him to be a major doofus, right, who didn't know what he was doing, just like this big old fat bald guy, right, that's just going to come over there and eat donuts and waste time. He's going to waste taxpayer money. And then if you consider that Robin Voss, the rhino, is the one who hired him, you might believe that. Come to find out, the man was quite good at his job and what he did. Okay? And that is another image that they painted of the New Mexico audit uh, um, force, ladies and gentlemen, which is that that they were a bunch of podunked, know-nothing, unprofessional hillbillies that did not know what they were doing. They could not count a ballot if they had to save their life. They couldn't count up past five, you know? So I was curious about how this audit was, this audit result hearing was going to go, you know, because again, no one, not the Gateway Pundit, not the Epoch Times, not Breitbart, nobody, nobody was reporting on this story. And it was really suppressed, guys. And it's not the faults of the alternatives and the independents out there. It's just this story was really suppressed. And and maybe they should have hired a publicist, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> Anyways, so it was a really good, a really good audit, uh, audit hearing or audit results hearing, guys. Um, it lasted longer than it was supposed to by an hour. There was some fireworks that were happening towards the end. You know, people trying to do their debating. They had an operative there that was very thirsty for his, uh, his two, two 12 packs of beer there that they agreed to give him if he caused a stink. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, a lot of what we could have imagined um, came out in the audit. A broken chain of custody by thousands of ballots, right? The canvas showing, of course, that there were uh, missing votes. There were ghost votes. There were dead people voting. There were people who, uh, who moved away that were voting, right? All of that stuff was found there. Um, um, election data being erased was also another finding in the audit, Okay. Um, uh, population versus vote totals counts, uh, just not matching up to what they should be statistically and, and, and realistically, logistically speaking, not adding up, you know, all of these things coming into focus, right? Uh, I would say, uh, that, uh, uh, one of my favorite parts was actually when they started to call out the people who were probably most directly involved in the fraud. Uh, uh, we're talking about, of course, specifically the Secretary of Snakes in New Mexico, Maggie Toulouse Oliver. And it's, it's so nice to hear the names of those who have committed the sins against the country and the people, ladies and gentlemen. It's nice that she is now going to have a nice spotlight. She's going to go ahead and move up in the ranks to like Jenna Griswold and Katie Hobbs and Jocelyn Benson and Bradford Raffensperger. You know, just the really outright crooked secretaries of snakes that just really went out of their way to ensure that election fraud was secure and election integrity amounted to zero, ladies and gentlemen. And it's good that we have a spotlight on this Secretary of Stakes, Snakes, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver. Now, um, if you have been following um, uh, the Secretary of Snakes narrative here at the Sea Report, then you've heard about the Secretary of State Project, which was started by George Soros, which he was running in like, you know, uh, the uh, er, mid, late, mid to late 2000s into the 2010s, right? I think, I think the, um, I think the Secretary of State Project went defunct, which means it changed its name um, around 2014, 15, six, uh, and 16 at the latest. Okay. And people like Jocelyn Benson and Katie Hobbs and Maggie Toulouse Oliver all came from George Soros's program project on secretaries of state. Cause obviously he realized, well, Hey, if I want to take over the country and if I want to make America and ruin it, uh, I need to go, uh, start with the people who control their elections better. What better way to start than with the guardians of our sovereignty, ladies and gentlemen. The guardians of our sovereignty are the secretaries of state, at least in the states wherein uh, the secretaries of state have that responsibility. I think, I think Wisconsin is the only one that doesn't. Uh, but that does include the commonwealths as well, ladies and gentlemen. It includes the commonwealths. So, well, you know, here we go. All of this information, guys, all of this information, um, at the conclusion of the audit hearing, um, it seems that uh, they, the commissioners in Otero County are all for it. Keeping in mind, guys, that New Mexico, Otero County, Trump won, okay? Trump won, but yet they still found all these discrepancies, you know? Uh, that's why I'm very curious about Texas, because Trump took Texas. Very curious about Florida, because... 
Trump took Florida. But it, it goes to show, ladies and gentlemen, the amount of fraud that had to occur because of the circumstance that we put those deep staters and globalists in. And that is that so many of us turned out to vote they just had to get outright cartoonish and clownish in the amount of fraud they needed to perform. Okay? So Otero County takes uh, votes for Trump. They're still doing this um, um, audit either way. They're still finding massive discrepancies. And uh, the good thing about this, guys, is that uh, eight other state, uh, eight other counties in New Mexico have now signed on to do some type of investigation into the 2020 election. I mean, the time is running out, ladies and gentlemen. The time is running out, but it's getting done. Okay, it is getting done. Um, Why do I say the time is running out? Uh, Federal statute of limitations for retaining your election data is 22 months, guys. Why do you think all of your rhino and much respected representatives have been doing nothing? And it seems now at the 11th hour, well, maybe it's the 9th or 10th hour, right? That, that they're going to start doing something. Now that 2,000 mules has come out, they're going to start to do something, right? Because the, the documentary, that we couldn't just listen to our constituents. We couldn't just honor their request for uh, an investigation or an audit. We had to wait until a documentary came out. And now they're afraid, Okay. But they have been trying to run out the clock. What do you think Kamala Harris's message was? The passage of time. Just let the passage of time. The, maybe I'm giving Kamala Harris too much credit. Maybe I'm giving her too much credit. Maybe that's not what she meant by the passage of time. Maybe she didn't mean if, you know, if we just let more time pass and we're patient, we, we, we pray to Satan that, that all of this will just blow over. The people will forget. Uh, we'll, we'll cast another massive spell on the planet or something like that, you know? Uh, maybe I'm giving her too much credit, guys. But, you know, simply put, the passage of time would have erased all the data, okay? And then whenever they decided to go and do an audit, it would have been a mute point because all the data would have been gone. And thank goodness we forced their hand, guys, because we have at least three secretaries of state that need to be behind bars. I think it's at least a year, but I don't know if uh, the secretary of state is the one who sent the orders out to erase the election data. Maybe it's more. Maybe if they are the uh, top supervisor of elections in the state, maybe it's more than a year. Maybe it should be more than a year. I mean, at this point, Jenna Griswold in Colorado is not behind bars, and I don't understand why. Oh, wait, I do understand why. Because the Colorado State House is full of rhinos. What are you going to do about it, Colorado? Hmm? Now, they haven't been able to get one over on Jocelyn Benson like that because, man, she is one cunning biatch, ladies and gentlemen, that Jocelyn Benson. I apologize. It's already 12 midnight here, so the, the words start to fly. But, um, you know... Uh, she, she's a master manipulator. And and as far as Katie Hobbs goes and the erasure of election data, well, I guess we would have to ask A.G. Brnovich about that because he knows who did it. He has them on film. They were able to triangulate who was working on that workstation at that time. And yet no one's been arrested, A.G. Brnovich. So at this point, I don't even know if we could hold Katie Hobbs responsible 
Because after all, it might not have even been Katie Hobbs who told them to erase the data. It might have been the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors because they are crooked as they come. And they were really running that show in uh, Maricopa County as per the elections. And the county recorder, whom was... Uh, whom was, uh, what was his name? Fontes was his name. Recorder Fontes. Adrian Fontes was the name of the recorder in charge during that time. To be replaced by a uh, balding gin- ginger duplicate um, um, after Fontes lost that election uh, bid. So, um, yeah, Maggie Toulouse Oliver, a big spotlight shining on her, whom she worked for working for several NGOs, working for several organizations that um, uh, really do get into the leftist progressive um, ideals of uh, election integrity, etc. Receiving money, of course, from George Soros to fund her campaign. A lot of dirt, you know, coming out on Maggie Toulouse. A lot of good spotlight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Accolades to uh, those who did their research there and presented it boldly, bravely, and unwavering before the room in um, Ontario County's commissioner's office. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Um, I am going to be clipping out some segments from tonight's um, Otero County um, audit. So again, check out that Rumble page and uh, you can check those out. And please, please, please spread the links, guys. Spread those links. Uh, Get the message out there. You know, The least we can do is share the information. We don't need to bottleneck it. We don't need to be the gatekeepers, right? Not that we are. Not that y'all are. Not that you guys are anyways. I know you guys are. Not gatekeepers. I know you guys aren't like that, right? But uh, yeah, definitely get that information out there, guys, because um, the more we share that information, the more it, you know, nestles into the collective consciousness. And before you know it, we got a 100th monkey syndrome episode going on, and that's a good thing for us. Hello? How do you think everyone understands about the Federal Reserve Central Bank now? Not because they were listening to uh, five people talking about it. (laughs) All right, guys, that's going to take us to our next story for this evening. We're going to jump on over to Georgia. Speaking of Georgia, ladies and gentlemen, they have had their early voting going in the state of Georgia. And I guess it's not going too well, right? Not going too well. Um, so, uh, did any of you guys happen to catch that, um, it was the governor's, uh, governor's debate, the gubernatorial debate in Georgia. Did y'all guys see how Candace Taylor just totally like floor, like steamrolled over Brian Kemp and Brian Kemp was there stuck with his little, (laughs) his painful smile. That was good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Yeah, that woman is bold, right? Uh, we did we did a little featurette of Candace Taylor like back when she first started running, but hadn't heard much from her yet. Well, we got Purdue in there now, right? Purdue, Purdue, just like uh, just like in Pennsylvania, right? Doctor Oz and uh, who's the guy again that Pompeo is going for? I can't remember his name. Uh, but then, but and I don't know the name of the woman, the female, the black female candidate who totally steamrolled them. Uh, someone, someone's got her name in there. I need to, I need to make a note to to dig into that woman, and we need to support her uh, because I believe that uh, the people, 
at this point, guys, I really think that they're watching and they, they're not really caring about uh, signatures and endorsements. And this is not to diminish anything that President Trump has done or is doing. But I think that they're really going to go with whom obviously is not establishment or globalist, right? Because Dr. Oz and Pompeo's guy were called out for being World Economic Forum hacks, right? In the Pennsylvania debate. And uh, Candace Taylor steamrolled over um, uh, Brian Kemp with the truth about the 2020 presidential election to which he could not respond. Uh, and people are liking it, guys. People are liking it. They, they really are. I don't think they really care about signatures and titles and endorsements anymore. I think, I think we might actually be getting beyond that point, ladies and gentlemen. We might be getting beyond that point. Someone had said uh, in the chat room during the uh, Otero County audit uh, results hearing uh, that um, uh, it'll, it, we will not be fooled again, right? We won't be fooled again, especially those who are awake, right? And, you know, it, it may be another generation if we can pull this off. It may be another generation before they are able to attempt to try and uh, snooker the American people into this. But that's going to take some time because we're going to have to forget first, obviously. It's just like with the central banks, guys. Just like with the central banks. It's going to be, this is going to be, uh, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, uh, you know, dinner table talk. It's going to be uh, what, what we talk about around the coffee table, guys. When all of this breaks free and breaks out and all the truth comes and, you know, people get removed and people go to jail and it may happen in mass. It might happen in mass. You know, you never know. We're not there yet, but we almost are. So anyways, getting into Georgia, it seems like they've had a lot of problems in Georgia with early voting, guys. But I don't got to tell you about it, ladies and gentlemen. I, uh, I talk about Garland Favorito all the time here at the Sea Report. He's another one of my heroes, ladies and gentlemen. He's not even a Trump supporter. <laughs> what? Uh, so I'm going to let Garland Favorito, a voter GA, tell you all about what is going on in Georgia now. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't remember who Garland Favorito is, I hope you do now. Because this man has done so much for election integrity in the state of Georgia. And he has never stopped. He has never relented or given up. And he has always maintained an optimistic attitude, even when at least three of his hearings and investigations got thrown out of the court. Guys, he has never stopped and he has never, ever been angry or pessimistic about it. He's always found the bright side. With that said, I give you Garland Favorito. Welcome to our daily 60 seconds with Voter GA. Here is Garland Favorito. Hello, Georgia. This is your Voter GA update from Monday, May 9th. Early voting opened last week with a multitude of problems. A Republican question on a ballot was non-displayed on all the KBMD, state representative race, and an East Cobb City question were left off the ballot in some cases in Cobb. Whatever happened to the logic and accuracy testing? I thought it should have caught these problems. Anyway, poll watchers were prevented from observ observations in several other counties, 
And the ENAT voter check-in system was down for 20 minutes while in-person voting had to be suspended. Hey, that's the new Salesforce system, right? Voter registration. It's in the cloud. But the most serious problems are scanner counts for polling locations were higher than the BMD counts in multiple counties. That is a technical impossibility. Why is that happening? Something's really wrong. Um, then, in addition to that, Fulton uh, instructed poll managers to leave their scanners powered up overnight. They apparently are going to get a remote update during the night. And didn't they tell us those scanners were not connected to the internet? Oh, brother. Anyway, stand by. There'll be more later on this week. Oh my God. I love Garland Favorito. You can give me Garland Favorito any day of the week. <laughs> he is just the cutest little thing. Um, I'm actually gonna, we're going to voter GA right now, guys. We're going there now. Okay, wasn't planning to make a stop here, but we are now. Uh, just so you guys can check out voterga.org. Voter GA stands for Voters Organized for Trusted Election Results in Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, this man's been fighting for a long time. Um, we've been reporting on him since about a month after we went on the air back in uh, March. Well, we went on the air in February of 2021. March 2021. We've been, we've been supporting this man by sharing his stories and sharing the news and the press releases that his organization has been doing in Georgia because he's been one of the most effective at documenting election fraud, even though the courts choose not to recognize it, even though the uh, the um, the uh, the lawyers, the district attorneys there, they're all crooked, guys. They're all crooked. But uh, Voter GA, I would highly recommend you get in the know, ladies and gentlemen, about it if you haven't. Let me just give you a brief example of some of the things these guys have done. And then we'll move forward because we've got we've got a lot of ground yet to cover. We're just in Georgia. We got we're going to make a stop in Kansas next, guys. So like they've been working uh, for election integrity as far as back as yeah, 2017. Dang, guys, 16 15 12, 10, 2006, guys. I think they know what they're doing, right? So 2006, always with, uh, you know, uh, e-voting equipment, uh, you know, um, um, things that are messing up. The SOS, you know, the Secretary of State making bad appointments, doing bad things with his job, you know. Uh, but most uh, recently, when we're talking about the 2020 election, we're talking about uh, performing audits on the ballots, uh, uh, having the ability to access the ballots, uh, being able to get the um, um, the electronic ballot images at higher resolution just on and on and on this man 
has never stopped, guys. And that was just an example of all of the cases and all of the um, issues that he and Voter GA have been fighting to clarify and correct in the state of Georgia. Check this one out. Custody chain analysis finds 106,000 plus suspect ballots and useless Dropbox videos, okay? You cannot say that there is no evidence of election fraud in Georgia, Bradford Raffensperger, okay? Like, they have been at the top of this, guys. Look at. For the uh, for these uh, early day election voting, for example, in Georgia... Dominion touchscreens fail to display Georgia election question. What's that all about, right? Early voting for the 2022 Georgia primaries began yesterday with yet another Dominion voting system malfunction. The Democracy Suite 5.5 ballot marketing um, marking device, the BMD, touchscreens fail to display language for the ninth Republican question out of 13 on the DeKalb County Republican ballot. The controversial touchscreens displayed only a yes and no for the ninth question without the actual referendum language itself. The question, which printed correctly on mail-in ballots, read, Do you feel mask mandates represent appropriate government control over your constitution? Some decab precincts like Briar Lake posted the printed version of the question at each voting station to compensate for the malfunction, while others like the Tucker Library were unaware of the problem for most of the day. Decab election staff could not explain why the malfunction was not corrected or at least detected during the logic and accuracy testing, probably because it is a sham and it is more shenanigans as Special Patriot 72 says in the chat, uh, the democracy suite system has been constantly criticized because it accumulates votes hidden in a quick response code, a QR code, that the voter cannot read. A United States District Court found in 2020 order that the system not print an elector verifiable ballot nor shows the elector's choice in human readable text as required by Georgia laws. The system was purchased for over $100 million in 2009 by Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, despite warnings from computer scientists, cybersecurity experts, election integrity advocates, as well as Georgia voters. Yesterday was not the first time that the Dominion system has malfunctioned. The voting system previously failed to tabulate correctly for the 2020 recount in Coffee County and other Georgia counties. That failure was the subject of testimony at the House Government Affairs Committee and Senate Judiciary Subcommittee hearings in December of 2020. Yesterday was also not the first time that a Georgia voting system failed to display selections properly. In 2018, Georgia's unverifiable direct recording uh, electronic touchscreens produced by Electronic Systems and Softwares, ES&S, appeared to fail in displaying a the lieutenant governor's race between Jeff Duncan and Sarah Riggs Amico correctly. A voter GA analysis and affidavits from a subsequent lawsuit indicated that race may have been randomly left off touchscreens in minority dominant precincts with selections uh, where sele when selections were first displayed to voters. 
The race displayed correctly of voters returned from the selection summary screen. Miss Amico suffered a loss of over 100,000 votes with a 5% undervote rate compared to a normal 1% rate for that race historically and for other 2018 down ballot races. The anomaly still represents the greatest unexplained undervote in electronic voting history. So, Voter GA been done doing their job, ladies and gentlemen. They have been done doing their job. And um, uh, I think, I think you know, you know, when people are like, who should I contribute to or who should I donate to? Voter GA, uh, PILF, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, um, you know, uh, um, uh, Tom Finton's organization over there at Judicial Watch. You know, and I do not make recommendations lightly or ever. Uh, but those are some of the places that I would send my money. So, ah, I should have warned you guys. We have jo- we have uh, we have two swamp creatures on the screen. Just one might be a little bit smellier than the other, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, George Soros and his uh, gal pal, his doll of the hour, his um, his, he he. Uh, <laughs> She is the Ursula to his flotsam and jetsam. No, just kidding. <laughs> we have, ooh, a Disney, a Disney uh, metaphor. Ooh, gross, gross, Mr. C, a Disney metaphor. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, Stacy the Behemoth Abrams, uh, it appears, has uh, been uh, funded again. She's received a campaign contribution by George Soros. Again, now you would think with all of the light that is shining down on George Soros that he would stop his wicked ways, right? Uh, But I guess it's because no one has held him accountable. And I guess that's because none of the rhinos, none of the people who say that they're conservative Republicans who love America and it's all about America first have decided to do anything about NGOs and nonprofits contributing to campaign financing. And I guess that's because then they wouldn't have any money coming into their own coffers. So that's uh, that's something that they're not going to take care. That's something they're going to push aside maybe for the next session uh, or, or maybe for for, you know, the the person who replaces them in their office if, you know, they're deciding to move on to bigger and better things. I mean, that's a question. You know, that should be another litmus test, right? Another litmus test aside from election integrity. Taking away all campaign financing that does not come from an individual constituent. That's right. No lobbying, no NGOs, no corporations, no 501c3s, 4s, or 5s, Nothing. Because after all, they should not need all that money and finance to run their campaign. They shouldn't. So anyhow, you would think that little Georgie boy would stop sticking his nose up that stinky butthole that is Stacey Abrams and uh, would kind of like back down, guys. <laughs> would kind of back, He'd kind of be like, oh, they're on to me. I guess not, right? I guess not. Like I said, rhinos, ladies and gentlemen, rhinos, very, very dangerous. We need to start keeping account of that. Let's take a look at good old Emperor Palpatine himself. Says right here, billionaire George Soros dumps $1 million into Stacey Abrams' lunch bag. Okay. Uh, Billionaire George Soros donated $1 million to Stacey Abrams' gubernatorial campaign just a few days after she qualified to run in March. He donated the funds through a super PAC, 
Soros made the donation through Democracy PAC 2 to one Georgia Abrams Leadership PAC. Donating to political candidates got a little complicated this election cycle because of a new law passed by the Georgia legislature. Last month, U.S. District Judge Mark Cohen ruled that Abrams cannot raise money through a leadership committee until she wins the Democrat Party nomination. She is running unopposed. She and Governor Kemp were both raising money with their leadership PACs before Judge Cohen's ruling. The ruling tells the candidates that they cannot raise money without limits with the leadership PACs until they are their party's official candidate. Abrams can use Soros' money after she is officially named the Democrat candidate after the primary. In other words, she can keep the money in her campaign coffers, but she can't spend it yet. That is, according to David Emadi, Executive Secretary of the State Ethics Commission. The Leadership Committee law that the Republican-led General Assembly passed in 2021 lets the governor, the opposing party's gubernatorial nominee, the lieutenant governor, and party caucuses create special committees to raise as much cash as they can without limits. It gave incumbents an added edge since their challengers can't use the funds until they win their party's nomination. It was designed in part to give Governor Brian Kemp, who formed his leadership committee in July, a huge fundraising advantage. However, Cohen also recently ruled that Kemp's committee had to suspend raising any more money unless he wins his Republican primary because it was unfair that the law allowed only one person in the race to create such a committee before winning the nomination. The governor. Kemp faces former U.S. Senator David Perdue in the GOP primary. Abrams will be able to use a leadership committee after she wins the nomination. Wait, so you're telling me for a fact that they know that it's David Perdue? Hmm, interesting. Um, anyways, it says here again, Abrams will be able to use a leadership committee after she wins the nomination. David Imadi, executive secretary of the State Ethics Commission, said the Abrams camp can keep the Soros contribution, but not spend it until after the primary. There are limits to how much an individual or business can contribute to a candidate. Leadership packs get around those limits. They can raise as much money as they can for a candidate. This year, Soros is giving his super PAC, Democracy PAC 2, $125 million to sway elections across the country. He is contributing to both Democrat groups and candidates in the 2022 midterm election cycle. Democracy PAC 2 is run by his son. Very interesting, guys. Very interesting. You see, you'd think that people would have learned. You'd think that perhaps uh, rhinos who really gave a damn about election integrity or, you know, this country would have already done something about it. But, you know, I guess I've never run for office, right? I've never been uh, tempted by, you know, the golden coin of campaign contribution, right? But that's what this is all about, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? This is about not only maybe just draining the swamp of swamp creatures, but maybe 
draining the swamp of swampy practices that keep on coming up and allowing uh, allowing elements such as temptation, right? The love of money to uh, influence or overshadow one's original intentions. Kind of my thought on that point, but uh, we won't linger there long, ladies and gentlemen. But just so you know, Stinky Abrams has received $1 million from uh, Emperor Palpatine Soros there. Good old sack eyes, right? He's got two sacks under his eyes. Good old sack eyes. Let's move on to uh, the uh, the newest state to enter into uh, um, election investigations, guys. Ooh, this is a fun one, right? Okay, so uh, it has been known, ladies and gentlemen, especially if you read the local newspapers, right? Or if you follow the Legacy Press, uh, that actually the 2020 election has been in question pretty much since uh, January 2021, as far as auditing or investigating goes. Uh, indeed, guys, um, the, um, and it's being done by a sheriff. Ladies and gentlemen, it's being done by a sheriff. But now, guys, what we're saying is that uh, it's still in motion, okay? So, yes, there are active active, uh, processes to get an investigation going in Kansas and also an audit. And so that's what we're here to talk about at the moment as far as Kansas goes. But it's good to know that another state is coming into the limelight of other of all the states that are actively seeking an answer to 2020 we've got quite the we've almost got uh we've almost got um, yeah two dozen no just kidding. we've almost got well we got more than a dozen but less than two let's just put it there so I mean, that's a pretty good number right you know I mean, I, I mean you would think it would only be what the five or six most contentious elections in 2020 but no it's it's more than double that it's it's like about triple that maybe anyways okay so uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in kansas to enlighten you all about the election integrity efforts and again these things are very important because the rhinos the democrats the election commissioners and officials right they have been trying to wait out the clock Okay, so that this way all the data is gone by the time anyone does anything about it, right? That's been the ploy here. The passage of time has been the main ploy. All of these distractions coming up right now, right? Johnny Depp, Roe v. Wade, all these things coming up because they don't want you to focus on a couple of things. But election integrity, I would say, is the primary because if they lose a hold of the election system in this country, they stand no chance. And if all of the information, as it does right now, stands to come out about election fraud in 2020, they lose everything. They lose everything, okay? This is more important to them than Ukraine. And they're putting up quite the fight in Ukraine, right? To save their globalist stomping grounds and uh, where they do their deeds, amongst other things, right? Uh, But yes, so Kansas is the newest state for us to report on in play for election audits. Now, that's not to say that we did not report about that very interesting election fraud hearing that took place in March on the 15th in Kansas. Do you all remember what I'm talking about? 
ladies and gentlemen, when I'm talking about the March 15th hmm, hearing that took place about election fraud in Kansas? Well, if you don't remember, it's okay, because we'll talk about that in a minute. But what we are going to talk about is the investigation, which is separate from the fraud hearing that we uh, were privy to back in March. Let's get a little bit of history under our belts. Sheriff in Kansas County investigates election fraud claims boosted by Republicans. So this is obviously from the um, legacy media, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, well, uh, keep that in mind as we go through their biases here, okay? Johnson County, Kansas Sheriff Calvin Hayden said Monday that his office is investigating claims of election fraud, echoing Republican efforts nationwide to discredit recent local and national elections. Local election officials have defended Johnson County's 2020 elections through, though Hayden said his ongoing investigation has raised questions about the security of the voting process in Johnson County. Hayden, speaking to the Star, described the inquiry only in vague terms. It is unclear how seriously Hayden is treating what he said is a six-month-old investigation. The sheriff's office has not issued any subpoenas or warrants, he said, though he added his investigator is still looking into it, potentially in connection with examining the inner workings of voting machines used in Johnson County. The two-term sheriff, who in the past has embraced right-wing causes, was set to deliver a presentation Monday night to the Northeast Johnson County Conservatives, where he is advertised as working to get to the bottom of election integrity issues in the county. Hayden's investigation comes as Republicans across the county continue to push to undermine the results of the 2020 presidential election in which Joe Biden supposedly defeated incumbent Donald Trump. Across lawsuits, audits, and partisan reviews, Trump supporters have been unable to be... You know what? Let's skip that. Let's skip that. This lie here. That's what I'm telling you guys. This has been one of the battle cries. This has been one of the duties. Like, you know, you know, uh, whoever runs all, the AP, right? They told everyone. They said, look, everybody. Look, everybody in the legacy media and press and the locals who are subservient to our will and our point of view. If you are going to run any kind of election story about 2020, I don't care if it's an election victory for Biden. I don't care if it's a story about people who are looking for election audits. I don't care if it's about a sheriff doing whatever he wants. If you dare as so much as mention the 2020 election, you are hereby ordered to always place a declarative sentence stating that Trump lost, that Biden won, and that there has been no evidence of fraud produced. And however you want to word that, it needs to be in your article. That's a marching order, guys. That is a marching order for the legacy media and the local press, subservience to their masters and their point of view. Okay, so I don't want to read that sentence. Anyways, okay. 
the idea of a stolen election has become a powerful narrative within the GOP politics. Kansas lawmakers have gone as far as allowing election denialists to make presentations, though Republican Secretary of State Scott Schwab has batted away baseless allegations of fraud. So, Republican Secretary of Snakes Scott Schwab, rhino, okay, rhino, we're finding that there's a lot of numbers that don't make sense and we're having a hard time getting information from our own election source. Sheriff Hayden said, uh, we've got a lot of information and we've looked into it. And there's a lot of things that don't add up to a regular guy like me. It's still a pending investigation, but I can tell you, we have found some things and some numbers. Part of them are a mathematical impossibility. Other than that, at the time of this article, and this article is a little dated. Let's see what we can find out real quick. This article was produced probably sometime in 2021. No, well, February 28th, 2022. My bad. So February, guys. All right. So that's going to take us to our next catch up on the Kansas election um, investigation um, uh, procedures. Johnson County Sheriff using taxpayer money to investigate baseless election claims. So, of course, they are going to attack this, right? They're going to attack him. They're going to try to demonize him. All right. So let's see about this. And this one, this article is actually from the end of March, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, even though there's no evidence, right? No evidence, whatever. Okay. So we got uh, uh, Johnson County Sheriff Calvin Hayden announcing at a GOP gathering that he's assigned an officer to look into complaints about the county's election process, saying he's not convinced the numbers from the voter registration rolls add up. Sheriff Calvin Hayden has joined the ranks of others casting doubt on the legitimacy of recent election results in Johnson County. There's been no evidence, again, with the declarative sentences that are lies, uh, Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab, who has addressed concerns about the integrity of the 2020 elections from fellow Republicans for months now, has repeatedly affirmed that voter fraud did not sway the results. Still, Republicans continue to invoke the specter of stolen elections in public. Hayden told the Post on Monday that he has assigned an officer to investigate voting data in the most recent elections to try to answer questions that have been coming in from people concerned that the elections might have irregularities. The investigator will be working on county time to conduct the investigation. On Monday night, Hayden also appeared at a local Republican Party gathering along with Thad Snyder, an Overland Park resident who has sued 27 government entities in the county and state over both election-related questions and coronavirus mitigation measures. Hayden's remark to the Northeast Johnson County Conservatives followed a presentation in which Snyder said he believed election crimes were committed based on what he called statistical anomalies in party registration, turnout, and denial of his requests to look at other election material on drop boxes. Snyder said the county results should be decertified. In his own remarks, Hayden did not go that far and delivered wider ranging comments on drugs and open borders, solar farm development, and the national response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But, he said, 
in the earlier interview that he's had an information tech employee working for the last year at last half year on questions about the county's election process. Hayden said, anytime somebody makes a complaint, we're obliged to investigate it to the successful conclusion. And obviously, we're not to a successful conclusion yet. So we're still working on it. He added that the number of complaints and open records requests coming in from residents has been large. Specifically, Hayden said he questions voter registration numbers that show a gain of over 34,000 registered voters for Democrats that don't seem to be balanced by registration changes elsewhere when 10,000 people are moving into the county every year. The county has 444,000 registered voters in a population of over 600,000 voters. Uh, sorry, 600,000 people. He also questions uh, security of the drop boxes used for ballots in 2020 and question whether there was enough oversight of the election volunteers. When something looks like a duck and talks like a duck, it just might be a duck, he said, of the concerns about irregularities. So then they go into the county resources, right? It's so expensive. Uh, you're wasting taxpayer money. We'd rather send it to Ukraine, right? We'd rather send it to Ukraine. Anyhow, uh, it says here, uh, the investigator is not working full time on the election questions, but is working on the county clock. Hayden confirmed. However, he could not estimate how much of the, his office's budget has been spent on the project since the hours have not been separated from the employee's other duties. Nothing so far has risen to the level of presenting it to District Attorney Steve Howe's attention for charges or subpoenas. Snyder's presentation on Monday was a repeat of remarks he made in February before a state Senate committee. Among other things, he questioned whether the office had followed proper procedure in getting the correct number of signatures from those who handled the ballot envelopes. So, oh, well, I mean, here's their election officials response. Election Commissioner Fred Sherman, um, uh, reached by the Post before Hayden's and Snyder's Talks Mondays, referred to Snyder's previous Senate presentation, which contains no specific allegations of actual voter fraud. He said the county elections office made some workflow changes during the past elections due to a redesign of the ballot envelope that did away with the privacy flap. And the new design meant that workers did not have to spend time removing the flaps and that changed the way the envelopes traveled through the office and signatures they might receive. Okay, so uh, they're not on board with it, clearly. Um in a separate statement to the Kansas City Star, Sherman vouched for the integrity of the county's election system overall. He said, we stand by the integrity of Johnson County's elections and fully support all registered voters casting their ballots freely, safely, and without intimidation. Whether by mail, Dropbox, or in person, the county has implemented a wide range of measures to ensure all blah, 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 big lie, big lie, big lie. And, you know, they keep on pushing the issue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's been an uphill battle, it seems. It's been, it's been on par, I would say. Good to note that we have an actual sheriff who is involved in this, just like it happened in Racine County. But then you have to wonder where it's going to go from there. And it go, if it happens like it happened in Wisconsin, the sheriff handed over the investigation to the DA. The DA handed it over to the AG. The AG bounced it back to the DA and nothing ever happened. Nothing ever happened in Racine County. Um, and there was a recommendation that five of the six Wisconsin election commissioners be jailed. 
and uh, indicted for breaking election laws in Wisconsin. Nothing ever happened, okay? Taking notes, we are, right? People taking notes. If we're in Wisconsin, taking notes. If we're in Kansas, taking notes, right? Who needs to go? Or are we just going to sit back and watch programs and hope that someone out there does it, right? You know? So anyways, we could do that. I mean, that's fun all day, but then I guess I'm wasting my time. Okay. All right. Let's, <laughs> but here's the other thing, guys. Now, here's something that I heard, uh, but it is not something that I could confirm. Okay. But something that I heard down the grapevine around the water cooler at lunchtime uh, was that um, Sheriff Hayden made a request to an incoming, well, uh, from what I understand, it is, uh, it is um, a candidate for state AG, okay, Derek Schmidt, that he put in a request that all election data be preserved, okay? Now, that kind of didn't make too much sense to me because Derek Schmidt is a candidate. The current secretary, uh, sorry, AG is, is uh, someone totally, is, is a swamp creature, you know? So I don't, I mean, and by the time of the November midterm, it'll have been 24 months. So unless Kansas retention laws for election data is beyond the federal statute of limitations of 20, 22 months, and some states are like, for example, um, Colorado's is 25 months instead of 22 months. So if Kansas is 25 months and Derek Schmidt gets in as the AG, then he can retain that data. And then uh, according to the rumor, uh, Sheriff Hayden also put in a request that it cannot be destroyed until they are finished with their investigation. Because again, guys, they've been waiting out the clock. They've been waiting out the clock and uh, we've caught on to it. So that is um, an election investigation happening in regards to that type of fraud, but this will be one of two investigations. So, you know, this is going on, it seems like at a county level, right? Now, if we want to talk about before the state legislature, we got something else going on, guys. Now, some of you all might recognize this face. That is the face of one individual, a woman by the name of Maria Zach. And uh, we reported on Maria Zach here at the Sea Report for the first time in March because I'd never heard of this woman, right? But apparently Maria Zach has information in regards to the international involvement of the election theft in the United States in 2020. In fact, if any of you all have heard of Italy Gate, okay? That is this story. Now, you know, I had not heard about Italy Gate or Maria Zach or anything that she has offered until she had this hearing in Kansas. And before a committee of elected officials, Maria Zach presented all of her information on Italy Gate and Italy's involvement in stealing the election and, uh, you know, the uh, military satellites and the... Um, uh, the ambassadors from America and the three-letter agencies and the um, the uh, the firms, uh, the private firms that were also working and Renzi and everything and and naming names and and playing audio clips of people speaking talking about the fraud. If any of you guys heard that um, heard that hearing that Maria Zach gave on March fifteenth. At Kansas, well, then you know what I'm talking about, right? But I didn't, I had not heard about it. And, you know, I had to wonder, 
if if this woman has all this like die hard information etc why is no one talking about it why has nothing happened and and literally guys because since that time i've done my homework on Maria Zach and i could tell you she has spent a lot of time running the interview circuits, right? Getting the information out that way. But for some reason, her message is still not making the mark, right? Why is her message not making the mark? Okay. Well, the state of Kansas is the first state where she actually was able to participate in a hearing and relay that information to lawmakers in order for them to do something about it. Okay. So between between uh, January 2021 and now, she had not apparently been able to get and to do a hearing. And she's talked about that in her interviews as well. I've watched several of them, okay? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, but just so you guys know, because everyone is wondering, you know, Maria Zach dropped a bomb on the uh, Kansas State Legislature in March. Are they doing anything about it? Well, yes, they are. Okay. So uh, they recently had an audit hearing committee meeting, okay, in the state of Kansas. And uh, Maria Zach's uh, issue, as well as the issue of election audits, okay, was brought to the front during that committee for consideration. So uh, if the uh, New Mexico um, Otero County election audits results hearing wasn't enough for you guys, we're going to take a few minutes to hear what was said during the Kansas um, Audit Committee hearing and the presentation about election audits. Maria Zach's information, True the Vote, makes an appearance, and so does the Wisconsin Election Committee investigation by Michael Gableman. So let's just take a seat back, ladies and gentlemen, get your snacks. Oh, whoops, what did I do? Wrong button. Uh, because here we go, guys. Let's check it out. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com, that's www.thecreport.com, and be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. As I said, good morning. I want to thank uh, Chris, audit team, Kristen, thank you. Uh, I appreciate their help in putting together the questions that were presented this morning. And... Um, I want to thank you, committee members, for the time and the opportunity to be here and for uh, giving this consideration. For quite some time now, many people, including some of our own constituents, have been sharing their concerns and questions with their elected officials about the elections and activities surrounding election processes. This is not just a partisan concern. Following the 2016 elections, U.S. Senator Amy Klobuchar 
and Senator Richard Blumenthal, both Democrats, were among the first to voice their concerns with election results. And again, that was back following the 2016 election. In order to address these concerns from my constituents and the people across Kansas that I've heard from, I have listened, listened as some election issues have been heard and debated in the Senate and have followed as findings from other states have begun to surface. I've read some of these reports and found that indeed many opportunities exist for making our processes more transparent and accountable. It's also becoming more apparent that whether or not Kansas has issues, we should be taking further steps to ensure prevention of election fraud and abuse, to restore public faith in our elections. I believe this audit is one step that could bolster public confidence. There are some reasons for the audit request before you. Kansans need to know whether or not similar activities did or and I emphasize could take place. The audit proposal you are considering can provide guidance to preventing election fraud and abuse and could potentially answer many of our constituent questions, not to mention give direction on how to continue proceeding to make Kansas elections the most healthy, secure, and free in the nation. The audit addresses many questions and I believe in a very efficient manner. Thanks to the audit team, um, I, I believe they have put this in a way that is the most efficient it can be. Asking these questions is a good starting place for addressing many concerns. Today is your day, committee, to choose to lead by enacting the will of the people by providing sunshine on our election process. I ask for you to please approve this audit. I thank you for your time and your consideration, and I will stand for questions. And I would like to add, though, I got this report back quite a ways in session, and it's the Wisconsin Office of Special Counsel. I think it's, I believe it's called the Gableman Report. It opens up a lot more questions than what I've got in this audit. Too many. And I think that if you look at the Arizona reports that have been conducted, the audits, and look at some of those, what it makes me consider is where are we going with our elections and what are the processes? What are the concerns? I'm hearing it from the people on the ground that are reading these same things. And that's why this audit is before you to make sure that in the future we prevent any potential problems and we can learn from all of this if we're willing and move forward. And I hope that I can garner your support. Thank you. And now I'm ready for the questions. <laughs> I have not a question for the senator for Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, it looks like three staffs, seven months. Would that be correct? When we earlier, uh, Chris had mentioned that we were going to have to do six audits. That's about twice. As, this one would be twice as big as the normal audits, which are three months. Does that mean we would only have six or five if we do this? Okay. That, that was my question. Thank you very much. Other Thanks, question, Senator Burroughs, or Representative Burroughs, I'm sorry. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Senator Pyle, can you share with me on the letter that we received from uh, Mark Fincham, the, what issues were discovered? Do 
Do you know what they may have encountered? Because there, he did mention the prosecution or it's been turned over to the attorney general for prosecution. Is, is there a, is something that we might want to put into the scope statement is why I'm asking. I would, I would ask your representative Burroughs to contact Representative Fincham. I have not talked directly to him. Again, I received the letter yesterday. He found out about my audit request and wanted to submit a letter in support. Um, but if you read, uh, there's so much online from their, their reports. This one, there are two reports from Wisconsin. One is a summary. It's a 25-page report. I have that one also in my office. This one's 130-some pages. It takes some time to read and digest. But as you go through what they're finding, it's not just some of the things that they found. I could, there are recommendations at the end of the report. Um, getting this down to five questions, uh, like I said, I commend the auditors because uh, they know I had lots of questions when I sat down with them. And uh, it's, it's, there's a lot of other questions that I still have that we can't take because as uh, Representative Barker pointed out, this is a lengthy audit. Uh, but when we broke it down to, to divide it, it becomes more inefficient to complete it. If you break it into two audits, you get nine months. If you break it into several, you get even longer. To put it all together into one package makes it the most efficient way to address what we have in these questions. So, but again, I would, I would just direct you to go directly to the source and go to Representative Fincham for the answer to that, please. Senator Corsison. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, just a couple points. I, I think that for me, I, I think this is uh, obviously a lot of time went into putting this together. I'm, I'm a little bit, the point I would raise for the committee's consideration is really around the timing of when we do this. My view is that it would be more appropriate to do it in 2023 after so we could look at the 2022 elections and do it in a year where we don't have statewide elections i worry about doing this now when we're still asking counties we don't yet have approved maps the supreme court still has to approve those maps so counties are still trying to finalize the new maps that they're having to work under june 18th they have to mail ballots for military and overseas voters August 2nd, we have a primary, then we have a general election coming up in November. So I worry about taking staff time away from getting prepared for those elections uh, that are coming up. And I think then 2023, when we don't have statewide elections, it could be more fruitful. Plus, since 2020, we've implemented a number of changes in both 2021 and in 2022 in the legislature related to our elections. So I think we should be more fruitful to see how those have been implemented in 2022 than it would be to go back and look at 2020, which is coming up on two years old and was before some of these changes that we've enacted have been in place. So th that, that's kind of where, where I come down on this is, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a issue of importance and, but I, I'm just thinking that maybe we would find, for the reasons I outlined, 2023 would would be um, a better time to, to do this work. So would love to hear the good Senator Drew's response. And thank you, Mr. Chairman. If I may, Mr. Chairman, um, I, I would just comment this. How long are you going to kick a can down the road? You know, I've been hearing from people for two years. 
and and people and, and as I stated in my testimony after the 2016 election people were complaining it's been longer this should have been done a long time ago um, part of the process is and I believe this audit can be completed so that we can take this up next January am I wrong on that Kristen when would the completion date be do you know yes But it could potentially be done by January. Is that wrong? Yeah. And so, uh, as I uh, to address your concerns, I think you know you can keep kicking the can down the road, but at some point it needs to be done, and it should have been done, in my opinion. These concerns have been shared for the last several years, um, and and it's not just looking back. Like I said, we're trying to look forward to make sure that things don't happen in the future. We don't want things to happen here. We want good secure. We want good uh, uh, elections with integrity. We want to be able, some of the questions that are asked of people to me are when is this going to happen? And so I think it begins, and I have full faith and confidence in all of my elected county officials in my district and across the state that they can conduct this and that they have the people on board to be able to do what is necessary to make sure our elections this year are completed. And I'm sure that they will prioritize things. Uh, I don't think this is too much to ask. I really don't. I think those are. Go ahead. All of them. Thank you. I just, just in response, I appreciate that. I just don't want to minimize the work that the legislature has already done. I mean, Mr. Chairman, I know that your committee has taken a, a serious and, and hard look at this and that you've devoted a lot of your committee's time to looking at this issue. So I, and I know that also represent Barker's committee has, has taken a serious amount of their committee time to, look at this issue which is of concern to, to all of us so i don't think it's fair i would have just object a little bit to the characterization that the legislature has been kicking the can down the road i think chairman olson's committee i think chairman barker's committee have taken a serious look at this the legislature i haven't agreed with with all of the the policies but we have implemented a number of of things to address concerns that folks have and the legislature's whether I agreed with them or not, the legislature has decided to adopt those things. So I think we've had committees who are taking this issue seriously. We've had the legislature respond with legislation that has been adopted. So uh, that was just a little bit of a rejoinder to that. And Thank let me you. clarify, Mr. Chairman, kicking the can down the road is specifically meant to the auditing part of it. We have done a lot in the legislature. I believe it was Senator Tyson that brought it up and you took action on the uh, finding out what took place with what were called the Zuckerman money, the grant money. And a year ago, we addressed that and we limited them that they couldn't take the grant money. They couldn't take private money to administer elections. I think that was taken care of. That was a great thing to do in dealing with ballot boxes and other issues that we've seen this year. It's great. I'm not saying we're kicking the can down the road on everything. I'm saying specifically, we need this audit. We need to know so that we can go forward and proceed and we need to restore the full confidence. We need people to believe that when they go to vote, that their vote is counting and it's being counted accurately. They don't, I mean, when you read these reports from these other areas that have happened, it, it's amazing what they're finding because they're conducting audits. And that's, that's why I'm here. It, this is, I consider this to be the people's audit. It's representing probes. Thank you, Mr. Chair. The, the couple of things, 
I don't understand how an audit that won't be done before the election, looking two years back, helps ensure integrity in the next election or provides any level of security or faith. It does seem to me if we really have a genuine interest in addressing this and looking at this, we would not look two years back on an audit that won't be done until after November. We would say, let's look at what we've put in place. Let's look at what concerns we think may or may not be out there and then apply those forward looking and do that audit at a later time. It, it, and I, maybe you want to address this or not, but it seems like a pretty, it's going to be, a, in my view, a misuse of staff time and resources to put them to work on a seventh month, seven month long audit that will have no value to the next election. You got a comment? Uh, just a brief one. Um, I think you're misreading all of the audit because the audit is going in and looking at not only uh, stats and stuff. The other thing, the auditors can explain it probably better than me, but we're trying to figure out what processes are in place for handling the nursing home uh, part of it is what procedures are in place. How does that handled? You know, are ballots being collected is what's going on. It's about today and it's about tomorrow. And, and we want to make sure the audit gives us that. It will give us the answers or maybe it'll probably create more questions and you'll have to act further. Uh, you know, I, I think simply I'm trying to address the concerns of the people out here on the ground that want this audit. And some of their concerns are in this. And some of them want to look back. Okay. So, Kristen, can you tell how much of it is perspective and how much of it is not? I mean, can you simply state something on that? Please. Sure. Um, I mean, I can't say like in percentage terms or something, but obviously our, our plan would be state law today requires that counties do certain things. And so then we would go to them to say, what sort of what evidence can you provide us that you have done those things? So to the extent that that means going back in time to look at documentation that might still exist um, from that, that's what we would be doing um, where we're able to do that. Um, some of it's also just going to be, I mean, there's, depending on which question we're talking about, there's some survey work, there's you know, obviously interviews with folks, those, those would be things that are more present tense. Thank you. A quick follow-up. We've got like three more people after you, so. I guess I want to ask the question and raise the point too. It, there's several references in this audit proposal for like, they're not clearly defined in my opinion, but there's references to national best practices or federal best practices based on what we've seen nationally and state legislatures across the year. While this audit's ongoing, wouldn't we have a situation where the auditors are having to adjust to changing standards and practices based on the implementation of new legislation? I'm not an auditor. Uh, when I read that about best practices, I had questions also but I'm trusting these people to know what they're looking for. We gave them the information we want. They put it in the questions and that's the language. So if you want to speak to that, that's fine. I'm, I'm, ha I'm content with it. You want to say something? I mean, that, that's not necessarily uncommon um, to work. So, I mean, obviously we'll do our best to adjust to that as needed, basically. Senator Tyson, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for bringing this to us. Um, 
I have several things. One, I adamantly disagree. I think this needs to be as soon as possible. And a look back is how you discover mistakes made. You always do a postmortem. Um, so that's that's where you find where the holes are. You don't look to the future. Um, the other thing I do, I did bring up the comment about the voter rolls. I would like to see at least maybe a small sampling included of that pick one precinct or two precincts, if we could. Um, I would also ask that on the audit, if you don't have any problems with this, the uh, we talk about the procedures and the policies in place, but I have concern as to those policies may be in writing, but not being implemented. We heard great testimony on the Senate floor from Senator Hildebrand, a prime example when he was a county commissioner, how you can have all the policies in place, but the numbers did not match and the election was still verified. And so I would ask that we also look at that, maybe even that specific county to that situation so that we can avoid that scenario in the future. Um, I know that's quite a bit, uh, Mr. Chairman, but I appreciate this. I, when I was, um, my first time I ever brought a request for an audit, I was not on the committee. The ranking minority leader came up to me afterwards and said he has never seen a post audit get voted on and moved to the front of the queue, except when I had brought that post audit. They found over $30 million with no oversight. I think this audit has that potential too, and I will be advocating for it to be moved to the front of the queue. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Senator Tyson. You know, it's it's just, I think, you know, I spent a lot of time on bank boards auditing, and I don't look at audits as a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. At the the best case, everything's working right, and there's always a few recommendations that come out of them. You know, and don't say things don't slip through because we just seen one today that Senator Tyson caught from the uh, driver's license, you know, on on being um, suspended. And, you know, it happens. And so I, I believe if we do do this audit, there's going to be a lot of good things that we'll be able to work on in the future, hopefully together to improve our election laws that will come out of this, things that are not working, or maybe things need to be taken off the books. Uh, we've got a couple in front of you. Uh, uh, Senator Tom, uh, Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I fully agree with Senator Tyson, and, and thank you, Senator Pyle, for bringing this. I think this is of the utmost importance. Um, just within the last week or week and a half in my district, uh, after seeing what the legislature has done this year uh, with regard to election integrity, we're still having groups meeting on election integrity because we don't operate in a bubble here in the state of Kansas. People watch national news. They hear what happened in Georgia, uh, Michigan, Arizona, places like that. And they are concerned. And the only way that we're going to restore the faith in our election integrity is by taking this step by looking at all these, and I think this is a good first step. Uh, there, there may be more coming that we need to look at, things like uh, connectivity to the internet, embedded software within some of the machines that we know uh, is difficult to detect, 
and uh, perhaps that would be the next step in the audit that you know um you you need software engineers uh, people who understand this sort of stuff to do it so my comment is i i think this um should be a top priority i think it should be done now um because we we do have elections coming up and people are still concerned even after seeing what the legislature did this past year uh, so I fully support this and, and think it's top priority. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, Representative Williams. Thank you, Mr. Chair. So when we had the unemployment insurance uh, crisis here in Kansas last year, we had a legislative post audit that started the process, but it was at one level. And then through the legislation we passed, there was a, a more of a forensics audit that happened after that time, trying to trace down where did uh, the payments get placed, who paid to who, to what bank account, to what country. That's more detail. Would you consider, I'm getting comments from constituents and others that say, please approve this forensics audit. I don't think this is a forensics audit. I wanted your opinion on that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I would, I don't think it is. I don't believe it is. So. Okay. Um, so it's not a forensics audit, so it's not getting into all the legal framework for it, but it's more what I'm reading from it. There's a lot of policy and process and practices uh, that are going to be reviewed in this. So then my second question is just to follow up on Senator Tyson's, which is I 100% agree with on the implementation. I don't see anything in here on these items that includes the implementation. So I'm wondering, um, Senator Pyle, for example, on number two, do Kansas County election officials um, have adequate policies and procedures to ensure and include implementation, evidence of implementation. Would that be more in line with what you're trying to um, find out? Some of what I've read in some of the reports from other states, the and specifically in the counties where they took the grants, there were people put in and, and they basically took over. So the elected official, and these are under testimony and some of that you can find it, they have, they have stated they felt like they were out of control. They were being told what to do. That should never happen. And so that's where the training part comes in. What do we have for training? Does an election official know their power and what they're supposed to be doing and the control that they have? I mean, those are questions. I mean, as I took this from people and I took the reports and I read and listened, I came up with all kinds of questions. I mean, if you want to go further, uh, that's up to this committee. Um, you could go a lot further in a lot of things. So Christian wants to explain something. Okay. Um, I, this might be helpful, but if you look at the um, 11 all like the full proposal under, so especially for objectives one and two, um, which is where I feel like a lot of these questions relate to. So if you look at, it's not in the bold, but the fourth bullet on objective one and the third bullet on objective two, that is speaking to us doing at least a little bit. So we're, we're not going to be able to do this for every county, but like is typical for a lot of our work, we would look at a selection, some sort of sample and try to go in where documentation exists to look at whether or not. So this is what law requires, they do or don't have policies to align with that. And then we can see for a sample whether or not those things appear to have actually occurred. 
That's great. I think that obviously we don't want to just know if they have policies and procedures, but they're actually working. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Comment, yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So the word forensic, forensic has been bantered around, and basically it is uh, the initial definition is use in a court of law. So absolutely, this audit could be used in a court of law. If you go down to the science or technology portion of it, if we would maybe, if you would be receptive to it, I think add a little bit of language that allows them to look at the version numbers and uh, the software, the vendor, so that we can get that and um, research. I mean, I, I did a research paper in 2006 on electronic voting machines, and it would scare all of you. You would absolutely want those machines removed. In Florida, they were using 8-bit machines, and once the voters reached a certain count, it reversed it negatively subtract votes instead of adding them because it was only eight bits. It only had so many numbers in the machine. So I think that level of detail is what we need. I don't think we can get it with this audit, but if we did have the uh, version number, the code and, and specific information as Senator Thompson said, so that software and we can look at what other states taste. Texas has a very exclusive list of what can and can't be used for their voting machines. And I think Kansas needs to get to that level. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Representative Barker, go ahead. I just wanna make sure I know where we're at here. So the audit's been proposed as is. I think the Senator uh, to my right has offered a tweak. I think that's the term you use to tweak. Uh, so it would change, this audit would. So I guess my question, Mr. Chairman, is if we approve this audit today without the tweak, then it is what it, how it's written. I know in the past, it's probably been eight or nine years ago, where we actually approved an audit, Chris, you may remember this, and then allowed the two parties along with post-audit to kind of do their little tweak and, and go forward if all the parties agree. And I don't know if the Senator would want to do that or not, uh, but, if we approve it the way it is today, it's what it is today without a tweak. If the parties can work this out within a short period of time and, and do the tweak, we could approve it today subject to the tweak. Uh, and I, Senator, would you be willing to work with the... I, I would be completely willing as long as you're adding to the audit to go further. To the, I don't want to subtract. I don't have... I mean, there are a lot of things I could add to this audit. I would I have no problem with adding a forensic sample, uh, what she's talking about, what Senator Tyson is talking about. I don't have a problem with that if you want to add to it. I'm just supportive of the audit, and I'd like, like to get it done today yeah. and not come back in another month when you've agreed to a different uh, adding to. Right. I agree. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Thank you, Representative. Um, Representative Toplicker. Senator Pyle. Um, <clears throat> Would you, would this audit include looking into the tabulators and whether or not results on tabulators could be changed? I, I believe that was one of the things we addressed. It's not specific. I, Kristen would know better, but I think that part of what we're trying to figure out is, I mean, I have a lot of questions, Representative. Number one, I wouldn't know what a modem looked like if you had it sitting right here. And I'm told it could have 
all kinds of appearances and all kinds of faces that a lot of people wouldn't know. Clerks wouldn't know. Elected officials wouldn't know. Uh, what is a tabulator? You know, does it have, is the room Wi-Fi capable? I mean, they found out a lot of election officials in some of these reports, they don't know. They didn't even know if they had Wi-Fi in whatever the right terms are, compatibility or whatever. But I do believe, yes, the tabulators will be looked at in this office. Okay. So, the the reason I ask is uh, I'm a member of the House Elections Committee, and we had all kinds of questions come up in there, and a lot of counties do totally different election processes than others. The rural counties, some of them still are, are paper. Um, and so, but I have researched this with the tabulators and I've uh, read a lot um, and, and seen a lot out there. And I have, and I don't believe everything, but I see things where tabulators can be changed. Uh, the vote totals on the tabulators can actually be changed. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I, I've seen, I've seen stuff out there like that. So, and I might just comment, Mr. Chairman, I, I believe that we talked with the auditors is statutorily, there's a requirement that all election officials report their equipment to the secretary of state. And if I'm wrong on that, I'll gladly back up. But I think that's readily, that should be readily available um, through the secretary of state that uh, every county election officer, is that right, Kristen? I believe that statutory, did we look at that? I think that is something that they report, at least, I don't know in how much detail, but at least like what the manufacturer is of the voting machines the county is using is something they have. So we could get that, we could show, we want to find out the information, how many different kinds of machines are being. And that's why you refer back to the statements made by Texas that they have actually come in and said, these are the only ones. And, I, and I, those are the policies looking forward that we can come from answers from this audit and come back here hopefully sometime next session and say, this is this is what we're gonna do. And then we get the public hearing, we get everything we can hear from Secretary of State Weeks here on the policy decisions, like we've been doing. But look, like I said, this is the people's audit. I'm trying to answer uh, to my people in my district that want this. And it, does it go as far as some of them want? No. Is it a big audit? Yes. Is that going to be a heavy lift? Yeah. Okay, I think oh. we've got a pretty good fair assessment of what the audit is. Um, we've got one other House member, uh, Tori Umberger, Representative Umberger, and that's on ADEL, right? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, that's a tough one to follow. <laughs> um, my audit is pretty simple, and it's just going through. And the reason behind where I got this idea behind it is um, with COVID, if you want to call it, Okay, I'm sorry, Miss Taradale, but we are not going to be able to hear about your audit. Now, uh, yeah, interesting back and forth hearing there in regards to, uh, you know, the Kansas state legislators. You got your senators, you got your representatives. Uh, it's pretty obvious that most of them were on the side of auditing the election. And then you had that one guy who most conveniently, the camera, did not... Uh, it, it like it cut off his name. He he was Senator 
blink the one that was like well we got an uh, we have an election coming up so uh, uh, uh why would we do this now why don't we wait until 2023 why don't we allow the passage of time to strip us from our ability to perform a, um, a an effective audit of the 2020 election. So, you know, they got a little bit of pushback there and all that stuff. So just wanted to show you guys that was some of the stuff that was going down in uh, Kansas, ladies and gentlemen. So then the question from this is, Mar- Maria Zach appears in Kansas in March on the 15th. They hold this hearing at the end of April. What was the decision? I'm sure all of you guys have been wanting to know. Anyway, so here was a decision. Here's a statement from Nations in Action, which is the uh, organization uh, headed by Maria Zach. Uh, Kansas passes the uh, Nations in Action's election audit. So they have agreed to move forward with an audit in the state of Kansas. So get ready, ladies and gentlemen, because Kansas is the next state to audit. Okay. Uh, now, just real quick, it says here in the article, Friday, April 22nd, the Kansas Bipartisan Legislative Joint House and Senate Committee commissioned an extensive election system audit. The motion to conduct the audit was passed with overwhelming support, recording uh, only one dissenting vote, probably that one senator that was kind of complaining, right? Uh, the forthcoming audit will test election procedures, the adequacy of election statutes, and assess the security of voting machines, ballots, tabulators, and storage units. Auditors will be empowered to examine security vulnerabilities, much like Justice Gableman, who recently released findings of his audit of the 2020 Wisconsin election. Uh, And it goes on to say here, um, Justice Gableman's report showed significant election security vulnerabilities in Wisconsin, such as foreign manufactured and ownership of critical election equipment, improper handling of ballot images, violations of election laws, through predatory actions in long-term care facilities and even potential computer breaches, uh, vendors who appear to have intentionally allowed over 30 software and hardware doorways for fraud. As the first Trump elector state to conduct an audit in the 2020 election, Kansas Senator Dennis Pyle stated his gratitude to the committee to act on the will of Kansas, regardless of party Kansans deserve full trust and transparency in all government actions and election security by disabling all pathways to cheat. This committee courageously stepped up without hesitation because they have heard from their constituents that corruption will not be tolerated, and I applaud them for their fearless determination. Uh, So it looks like it's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. You guys might be wondering what the specifications are on this audit. Well, I've got that here for you as well. Uh, So this is um, uh, the audit proposal. Now, we're not going to go through all of this because we still got two more stories before we finish tonight. Uh, And that is, uh, this is what it says here. Um, reviewing Kansas procedure for election security. Let's take a real brief scouring of this document. Uh, of course, your background is the people want an audit. Uh, their objectives, do Kansas County election offices have adequate policies and procedures to ensure the accuracy and security of voting machines used for elections? Um, they will also be engaging, do Kansas County election officials have adequate policies and procedures to ensure the security of storage units, ballots, and devices used to tabulate votes during the elections? 
Um, another objective here, how do Kansas practices for maintaining and sharing ballot images and cast uh, vote records compare to other states' practices? I mean, if they find discrepancies, you know, uh, they might find out a lot of answers just for themselves. But a, a comparison is always good. They, they uh, definitely look up to Texas, even though Texas uses heart intercivic machines, which also uses IP intellectual property from Smartmatic. But no one's uh, paying attention to that, I guess. Do county elections officers receive adequate training to administer federal elections? And what policies and practices do the Secretary of State and county elections officials have to protect the integrity of voting for long-term care facilities for our residents? So question there is, guys, the uh, Secretary of State of Kansas, which we've already seen in the previous article, really found nothing wrong with the 2020 election. So maybe the question should be, do our, uh, you know, uh, state secre secretaries of state understand that they must abide by election law and uphold the Constitution? Or are they just going to take some, you know, uh, money off the side and, uh, you know, surrender everything about uh, this country to the globalists? Um, so uh, this will have a team, apparently, of four auditors, and it is going to last a total of seven months, which is seven months from the start, uh, the audit start, to best estimate when that information will be ready for a committee hearing. Um, I do not have information on when this is exactly going to start, but it's supposed to start before the end of the year, guys. So uh, uh, we had, there was one other thing and a clarification I actually needed to make, okay? Derek Schmidt is the current AG of, da 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 da, da Kansas. I don't know how I got that confused in the last two articles I was reading. But like I said, if I'm wrong, I will correct myself, right? So, so, and then this plays into exactly what I was telling you about Sheriff Hayden making a request to hold all of the, um, all of the election data. Because obviously we're approaching the 22-month statutory retention date, right, for federal level, you know, that, that, that finish line that everyone was hoping to get past before the people of the United States started to enact audits and investigations. Okay. And I think I know where I got it confused. The rumor mill told me that Sheriff Hayden made a request of A.G. Schmidt, right? Okay. But that's not, apparently that's not the way it went according to this article. And this article comes from the MSN, but it's from the Topeka WIBWTV local newspaper or web page, what have you. Uh, let's see what it says real quick, guys. So it says here, um, with Kansans set to vote in the primary elections in about five months, one senator is called on the eight attorney general for a bipartisan election system audit. We'll skip through that. That's all of the, uh, the pretext pre-story. Um, let's see. So it says here, talks about Maria Zach talks about uh, Senator Pyle, whom we just saw presenting uh, his request to the committee hearing. Um, let's see here. Where are you at? Where are you at? So it says, uh, Pyle said auditors will conduct their investigation over the next seven months with five major categories and will report back to the committee. Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, 
not the rhino, but the current attorney general, said the request was made in light of a pending legislative post audit, which could require auditors to review records in the possession of election officials. The office of the attorney general ordinarily has no role in the legislative post audit process, Schmidt said. Therefore, upon receiving Pyle's request, I consulted with the legislative post auditor who advised that the LPA will, in the ordinary course of business, itself write to county election officials whose records may be required, perhaps in cooperation with the Secretary of State, who is the state's chief elections officer. So the AG Derek Schmidt is getting involved. And now Sheriff Hayden, who is leading the charge in an investigation in his county, endorsed Attorney General uh, Derek Schmidt for um, re-election. So there's that connection there. Because apparently Attorney General Derek Schmidt is serious about election integrity of all the AGs, right? So he's one of the good ones. Now, this little uh, summation here is basically talking about getting the clerks to cooperate with the investigation, which will also call for the cooperation of their SOS, their Secretary of State, whom sees nothing wrong with the 2020 election. So one has to wonder how that's going to play out. But the AG's already been involved. And this uh, legislative post auditor is also making recommendations on the case. So maybe this will be streamlined. Maybe it won't. Maybe there'll be a lot of pushback. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, Schmidt said the post auditor noted some concern that multiple communications from different offices as preparation for the audit could cause confusion. Um, and he says he's not, uh, I'm not proceeding to send separate communications to county officials at this time, but have advised the post auditor of our willingness to be of assistance to the auditors if called upon by them, if any specific concerns about a failure of local officials to follow existing state law were to come to light. So they are also looking at um, um, upholding the law in this. Audit. They're already looking at this from the lawful aspect, which is great. Okay, because normally you have to have your audit and then you have to hand that over for the law to act. And if you're Arizona, you get no action, right? But at least they already have people looking ahead of that. Now, I feel like uh, there's something here I missed. So I took it out of um, immersive. Yes. Okay. So, um, where did it go? I know I saw it here somewhere. Maybe I didn't. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just looking for something I thought I read. Okay. So where did you go? Where did you go? Where did you go? Did I not read it? I swear I read it. Um, oh yeah. Kansans are calling on attorney general uh, Schmidt to publicly submit the legal notice to Secretary of State Schwab to not destroy election evidence. Okay, so apparently that has occurred. So uh, they they can save that data and it won't be uh, flushed into the memory holes of oblivion, ladies and gentlemen. Now, just real quick. Oh, I can't cut that out. There we go. Uh, just to wrap up on Kansas real quick, guys. Um, because naturally... Uh, 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 Maria Zach went into Kansas, like I said, in March. Uh, but, you know, if, if there's one thing that we whom have been, you know, kind of paying attention to these audits uh, is, 
it's that what we're finding is like, of course, with the machine's involvement, with the machine's involvement, uh, we are finding about how uh, they are actually, you know, connected to the Internet. Um, in the case of Colorado, uh, we saw how through Tina Peters reports that the uh, data had been manipulated. Uh, most, uh, I guess, uh, what they what the assessment was is it was the office of the Secretary of State or someone whom they contracted um, is the one who performed the data manipulation. Um, in uh, Arizona, of course, we don't know because they erased it and they stonewalled it, and apparently they found nothing in their inspection of the um, uh, the sp Splunk logs and the routers. Okay, uh, but Maria's Maria Zach's case was most specifically regarding the international involvement of election fraud in this country. In other words, as we recall, it was Italy, right, specifically, who was responsible for working in concert with uh, elements of the United States of America, including three-letter agencies and also ambassadors, etc., in um, in colluding to uh, steal that, you know, it went up into the uh, military satellites uh, from that law firm. What was it? Le Leonel or something like that. Leo, the Leo. I think it was Leo. I can't remember the name. Anyhow, anyhow. Uh, so I'm like, well, you know, what's going on here? Because as I was presenting the questions uh, a form aforehand, uh, you know, um, what has taken so long now in in previous interviews, Maria Zach has said that um, she has been very selective on where she's going to present first. And she chose Kansas for a very specific reason. Uh, in one of the latest interviews with Maria Zach, and I don't know that I have found another one since this previous one, she made a lot of bold allegations. And I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with those allegations or not. Um, but, uh, they were very, very bold allegations. Um, but you know, it, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting, uh, it paints a very interesting picture guys. And there's a lot of things going on here, uh, that I think I could open myself up to speculating about. I think it's really good that we are getting an audit in Kansas. I think it's good for the most part that is because of Maria Zach's prompting through her hearing and the information that she presented. Uh, the senators, like you saw with Senator Pyle, they really don't have half a clue on what exactly is what. I mean, I'm sure they're busy. They've got a lot of things to do. They don't really, I mean, if they had been following election stories and getting all of the dirt on everything, they would have a clearer picture of what they're looking for, right? But they don't, you know, and he admitted it himself there at the uh, the podium or, you know, there in the uh, committee hearing uh, as far as the extent of his knowledge goes, you know. Um, so it, it's really good, guys. It's really good that it's happening. I don't think that they are going to find any of the information that Maria Zach submitted in regards to the involvement of Italy, you know, which begs the question, you know, does that even matter? Well, I mean, if Italy really is involved in stealing the elections, absolutely it matters and absolutely it should be mentioned and, and there should be some um, accountability held in that regard. That in itself is a much bigger, much bigger 
bigger, bigger, bigger task to undertake because now we're getting international entities involved. We're getting other sovereign nations involved and what that means between the relationship between our country and their country, you know? Um, but, you know, it was very interesting to know. I don't know, maybe I could kind of skirt the issue a little bit here on what is going on because Maria Zach said that she chose the state of Kansas because that is where Mike Pompeo hails from, okay? And Mike Pompeo needs to answer questions about the 2020 election, and I guess about his service to these United States of America overall, you know? So I don't know. Um, We'll see what happens there, guys. Uh, She made a lot of other very interesting allegations, um, uh, some of which I, uh, I mean, I'm going to let, I'm kind of going to let that story play out before we talk about it, guys, because it's a very contentious story and it, it proves to be very divisive. Okay, very divisive for uh, people in a community like our own, right? And if any of you guys saw that last interview, and probably a lot of you guys are going to go looking for it now, um, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, very contentious issue that is is very divisive, and it's already dividing, guys. the The topic uh, and the um, statements that she made in her la- latest interview, I've already seen it happening, and it's bubbling. It's bubbling forward in a very big way, guys. It's bubbling forward. And I'm very curious to know what's really going on here. Because, again, we have Mike Pompeo, who is um, uh, endorsing a globalist uh, World Economic Forum guy uh, for the Pennsylvania Senate, right? Um, And just a whole bunch of other little details that, you know, we pick up along the way. But at the same time... While Maria Zach is saying these things and we're seeing a whole scope of um, actions and evidences and circumstances playing out in the greater scheme of things, she's also in the company of some very questionable people. When I asked the question, why has Maria Zach's Italy Gate not hit it yet, even though she has all the data, she has all the paperwork, she has evidence, uh, she has communications of people uh, moving, uh, you know, uh, whistleblowers around, she has people on audio talking about how they're going to um, overthrow uh, the United States elections. She, I mean, she has the receipts, right? But why hasn't it made a bigger mark than it has? Because as I've said, if you were to take all of the investigations findings and all of the audits findings that we have seen to this point, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, excuse me, it's, it's one in the morning. It's almost two. Jesus. Oh man, I might have to cut it. We might have to talk about the WHO tomorrow, guys. Uh, I didn't realize it was so late. Okay. So um, at, uh, before, you know, we may, we'll do one more story and, and we'll cover WHO tomorrow, guys, because I can't keep you guys here much longer. Anyhow, so um, one more story and then and then we'll, we will cover who tomorrow. Who? The who. We'll cover who tomorrow. Uh, but just so I can finish up on this point, guys, about Italy Gate and what's going on here, you know, if we were to take all of the findings from the audits and investigations that have occurred up to this point. What have we learned? Okay. We've learned that A, we had a massive dump of unlawful ballots and we've learned how they did it, right? 
uh, by ballot dumps, by a uh, broken chain of custody, by the ballot drop boxes, by the ballot traffickers, okay? Uh, if you're looking for specifics, like in Arizona and Georgia, they had the same printing company. Somehow they're in Georgia and in Arizona, it's the same exact printing company who are printing these ballots and in, in Arizona actually mailing, doing the mailing services for them as well. So there is your paper ballot. There is your law, your unlawful, but your physical representation of someone's vote in America. On the electronic side of this entire debacle, we're seeing that voting machines across the board were manipulated and in order to cover that manipulation, in some states, the secretaries of state knowingly and willingly broke the law by deleting that election data. All right. That, to me, that's evidence of intent, right? You're trying to cover up your crime. Why are you trying to cover up your crime? Why are you breaking this law? Because as discovered in... Um, in, uh, in um, Colorado, as well as in Antrim County, the vote was manipulated, okay? There is evidence of that, okay? They can't say that in Arizona because the Splunk Log Master found nothing, right? And, and also the AG's not holding those who broke that law accountable, okay? So, what else do we know about this, guys? The vote was electronically manipulated through the machines. And what else have we learned? we have learned that the machines have definite internet access. Now, as you saw in Garland Favorito's 60-second update, for some reason, Fulton County is going to have their machines left online overnight for some kind of an update. Oh, but they weren't supposed to be connected to the internet, he said. Huh, well, you know, I guess that's just the way it goes. So um, we can see, and then through Gableman's report, it was 36 outlets. Can you imagine that? 36 points where Wi-Fi or internet access can occur. And apparently some of these modems don't look like traditional modems, okay? And these are all um, parts that are manufactured out of country, mostly in China, and they are what they call off-the-shelf parts, which means they're the cheapest that you can buy the biggest bang for your buck and the least secure, okay? So how does that play into Maria Zach's Italy gate, wherein voter information flew over to Italy and into servers in Germany and then were manipulated in, in Italy and then shot up to a satellite in space and then shot back down to these United States of America in order to steal the vote. Now, I'm not, well, I'm willing to bet not many people have thought this far into it. It's not to my credit at all. You know, screw that, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of like brainstorming here. So just follow me along, guys. So where does this play into that? Because while it's good that Kansas is getting an audit of the election, how will that validate Maria Zach's findings of Italygate? How is it going to prove it? You know, how is it going to prove her case? Unless her case was just there to instill the fire into the Kansas legislature to get them to do an audit, which has served its purpose. But really, guys, think about it.
if we have international elements literally messing with our elections, just as there was an executive order laid out for it, and we've suspected, most people keep saying China, China, China. Maria Zak is saying Italy, 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 right? Um, uh, should that not be addressed and should that not come to the light? You know, if not for the sake of justice, for the sake of them never doing it again, for the sake of the international community, knowing now that this does occur and we know who done it, um, it's very important. It's very important. Here's what I deduce, okay? Here's what I've guessed, all right? Uh, your election voting machines can be hacked into and they can be manipulated, the vote. It's been proven, okay? Uh, Colorado's a screaming example of that. The ballots, obviously, the unlawful ones, were dropped in mass to, um, to cover for the digital manipulation, right? Because after all, if we have um, a huge number of votes, as we did, and all of the machines are manipulated, if someone wants an audit and they don't have the physical ballots to match the number in the machines, well, the cat's out of the bag, they've been found out, and there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, they committed fraud, so they had to have the printed ballots unlawfully, so, in order to match the number. So how does that figure into Italy, Seidel, and international interference? How does that figure into Maria Zach's story about Italy Gate and election fraud and theft? What I am guessing is that, as we all know, Seidel was used in Spain, and all of and Seidel. If you guys don't know uh, exactly some of this, but I mean we have a general idea. But Seidel uh, um, deals with election numbers, right? But it also deals with the broadcasters. So they're the ones whom, from whom the broadcasters will get that information and it shoots back into the states for them to put on their TV screens and in their election night reports. So if we have Seidel, who is getting all of this election data, and we also ran a story that talked about how when that data goes into transfer and it's turned around, it enters into a stasis that is not... Um, viewable. It's encrypted. So they don't know if the numbers going in and the numbers coming out are the same, okay? And it's shot back to the states. Well, I think that could be your connection, okay? I think that could be your connection. So Seidel and Italy are in charge of getting the numbers manipulated on on election night, right? On election night, and pumped back into the legacy media and into the Associated Press and into everyone who told you who won the election, right? And the second part of this operation would be the secretaries of state, the bought out or corrupt election commissioners, and or also uh, the clerks at the local level, okay? whether they had Trump derangement syndrome or not, or were bought out or were Democrat or whatever, you know. And so these people on the ground, they are the ones who were assigned. Like now, if you watch the um, New Mexico election audit with us, then what we learned there was that when they did an investigation into the election records, the data for that election 
that um, the Secretary of Snakes, uh, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, had received the data at a certain point in the day. So she was specifically assigned to overlooking this data. And she was the only one who could view this data, all right? And then a few minutes later, she releases the data back to the public and the numbers are different. So clearly Maggie Toulouse was the main operator in New Mexico. In Wisconsin, we had the um, we had um, the National Vote from Home Institute's Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, who is basically performing those operations in the Zuckerberg Five. Okay, the five main cities where this occurred. We're talking Madison, Green Bay, uh, Racine, um, uh, Milwaukee, and uh, one other one that I always tend to forget. So. Um, so, but either way, the Zuckerberg Five. So, uh, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, who officially took the jobs of the city clerks, whom in Wisconsin they are the ones responsible for elections, not the SOS. It's the uh, it's the municipal clerks. They are the ones who run everything. He took their jobs, and specifically in Green Bay, he ran that entire election. And he was he was allowed access to the uh, electronic ballot um, um, rolls and also the election management system. So he he may have been the main player there. Well, that's where Wisconsin messed up because they broke the law. According to a Wisconsin law, only my only the election clerks, not some hired person from New York who's working for a nonprofit underneath Mark Zuckerberg can do that. Right. And you can't rewrite election law in the case of an emergency to have an outsider come in and run your elections. So I think that uh, there were two prongs to this. I think Maria Zach's, uh, um, I, I want to say theory, but it might be more than that. You know, I, I saw the hearing. I, I heard all of her information. I, I heard uh, all her whistleblowers. Uh, and all of that seemed to add up, right? So two-pronged, you have your international that was in charge of the media control and the final number. Then you had your local and your state officials corrupt who, um, who, man who um, were in charge of manipulating their electronic data to match or to find a match to the number that was given to the, uh, to the press. And then you had your ballot drop to cover for the manipulated voter data that was on the machines. And everything has come out since then. The internet connectability of the machines, the fraud of the unlawful ballots, the only thing that has not come forward to put icing on this cake is the allegations that Maria Zach made about Italygate. I had to wonder why. Well, Here's why I think, and we'll get to our final story for tonight. And I guess this was an election episode, guys. What, what do you know? Here's what I think. There have been several characters surrounding Maria Zach. When I listen to Maria Zach and when I watch her, I feel like she is of the utmost genuine. Uh, she's real and she, I feel like she has integrity. I don't feel like she's trying to pull one over. I don't feel like she's an operative. Okay. I don't. However, ladies and gentlemen, um, it, it seems that some billionaire French entrepreneur guy has come into her sphere. I don't remember his name, but I noticed 
from the time that she first started sharing this information up until the time that he got involved, every time she has done an interview, it has always gone back to his role. And his role is, I've got databanks. I've got databanks full of information. And it tells you how and who and why. And it gives you instructions. And there's, there's documents and papers about the deep state and the globalists and the shadow government. Well, Maria Zack gets on TV like in 2020 and 2021 and starts talking to everyone about the shadow government like we don't even know it exists. And I'm like, Maria Zach, have you not listened to President Trump since he started his entire presidency? He's been talking about the shadow government. It's also called the deep state, Maria Zach. And God bless her. It sounds like she's trying to educate the people. And she is. She's like, Stu Peters, don't you know about something called the shadow government? Well, duh. You know, like if Stu Peters knows about the shadow government, we all know about the shadow. We've known about the shadow government. So the point here is that this French billionaire comes into her sphere of influence. It becomes about nothing but the databanks. And she totally kind of like puts her discovery of Italy's involvement on the sidelines to push this guy's story because it stands to hold more weight if he exposes the data. Has he exposed the data since April of 2021 when she brought him onto the scene to do interview circuits? No, he has not. Okay. And, and then he has given her names of people that we already know are globalists and he still has not offered any of the uh, supporting information for those claims, okay? Which we can see without even needing to see the document signed. But apparently there's a secret shadow government document that they signed, ladies and gentlemen, according to this billionaire, okay? Who has not whatsoever shared any documentation in over a year, which is why I never, I, that's probably why I figure I never heard about Maria Zach because they were doing their rounds on this, uh, this, this, um, you know, database that, that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt and names every single of the 38 people who control this world is what he says. There are 38 people that control this world entirely, 38 individuals. And it's according to this database, you know, and, and if the, the Frenchman ever decides to come out and share this information and I'm wrong, well, so be it. I was wrong about Derek Schmidt and I told you guys about it, right? But I think that he served to hijack her energy, hijack her, I don't, her, her ability to communicate. Like she said, she's been working with the government for a very long time. Now, the last thing that I will say about why I think no one has heard about Maria Zach's Italygate and even now as Kansas is opening an, a, for an audit into the 2020 election, they ain't touching Italygate. It might have to do with some of the other characters who are now in her sphere. And I'm referring to General Vallely or Vallely, however you want to call him. Now... I'm about ready to do a see in the dark report on General Vallely or Vallely. Okay. General Vallely, and maybe I should save some of this for the see in the dark episode, but General Vallely, he's highly regarded and respected and honored and loved among the Patriot community. 
in particular, the Patriot content creators, the alternative press. Everyone is up on this dude's sack. And no one seems to recall that this is a man who is in charge of psychological operations since probably before the 1980s. No one seems to recall that this is the man who took the, um, the, uh, the Tea Party from being a patriotic party to a party of people who would commit violence in order to restore the republic. And no one seems to know that General Vallely trained and ran regime change operations in Syria and in Iran. Or are we going to say, but the Syrian government is evil, blah, 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 blah. Are we going to say, oh, what, but Bashar was, uh, you know, uh, Al-Bashar was, uh, you know, gassing his people and, and giving them poisonous, you know, gas so that the CNN reporters could go over there and smell the mustard gas and still live? Is that what we're going to say? Okay. It's these little things, guys, that we seem to forget because we get content creators that we respect and love that get them on their show and they just suck from their teat and they just talk about how great they are. Okay. You know? And I'll save the rest of that for when we talk about General Vallely. Let's not forget that General Vallely still holds Michael Aquino in high regards, who is a known Satanist, a former preacher of the Church of Satan, who is implicated in, uh, in, in, in child pedophilia, human trafficking in Presidio, California, and possibly has ties to the Zodiac, um, the Zodiac Killer, okay? But General Vallely, oh, you're the, we love you, General Vallely. We, we think you are the best, sir. Okay, you know what? Well, I'm willing to call it like I see it. And I don't care what this man has done for our country in service with all of his medals and all of his titles. If this man has been running a PSYOP and has been running us strangely in a confused manner and has totally been working against us, guys. I mean, I'm Running, running regime change operations and training, training non-Syrian rebels to bring down a country because we don't agree with them because they don't have a central bank that is beholden to uh, the IMF or to the globalist bankers. Guys, wake up, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, General Vallely's in her sphere now, okay? And I think that they're handling her. And uh, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see exactly what happens. But uh, uh, be on the lookout for my episode on General Vallely from uh, Sea in the Dark. Uh, I, I gave you guys kind of a primer. And, and a lot of you guys out there know General Vallely. And General Vallely, it's not a brand new topic. But I guess what I'm going to have to do is maybe bring you a brand new perspective. Okay. Uh, because the uh, anti-narrative is usually the best narrative when you consider everything these people have done in the past and how for some reason we tend to either not know or forget about it, but only because we are trusting content creators who either don't got the story right, didn't look at his past, didn't put two and two together, or maybe, just maybe, they are also part of the psychological information operations that are meant to distract you, that are meant to lead you in the wrong direction, and are meant to have you glorifying people who would otherwise prefer that this country is destroyed. And I'll leave that there, guys. Let's get to our last story for tonight. We're going over to the state of Wisconsin. Speaking of Wisconsin, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to do another ball buster on Robin Voss, ladies and gentlemen. 
I'm about to do another ball buster on Rhino Robin Voss. In fact, I think we need to lighten the moment. Let's do this. Oh, goodness. Braylon, thank you so much. It looks like you dropped the cookie jar. <laughs> I appreciate that, sir. Thank you so much. Awesomeness. Um, thank you for your support of the show. Rilling on so much. I appreciate you. It was it was too late in the night for a uh, a gold pill match <laughs> challenge, apparently. Although we have quite a few people watching the show right now. Uh, but it's all good, guys. If you're a content creator, that's all I got to say about that. They're like, what, 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 what? <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. All right, yeah, I'm uh, I'm on one right now. Okay, so let's go. Robin Voss, ladies and gentlemen. Robin Voss, the known rhino of Wisconsin. He who needs to go, all right? And I'm sure a lot of people agree with us at this point that he needs to go. Um, apparently, Robin Voss has come out and has once again lied to his constituents about his involvement in ballot drop boxes. And because we uh, highlight the many uh, constitutional sins of this man, Rhino Robin Voss, well, I could not, I could not end the show without telling you guys this story. Okay, so uh, Rhino Robin Voss lies to his constituents about the ballot drop boxes. Now, just just for fun measure. We're going to hear him himself. It's like a minute long, but hey, let's listen to the words of this liar. Let's listen to... Hey, I did not give you permission, Robin Voss, to speak. You speak when... Hey, Robin Voss, you stop it right now. Okay, so we're going to listen to the rhino's words himself, and then we're going to go ahead and just uh, tear into the man. All right, we're going to tear into the man. We do not have... Uh, the same system that they do in other places where they don't have paper ballots. So it's just important for us to accept there are certain things that are different about Wisconsin that the legislature, frankly, under Governor Walker and before that under Governor Thompson, put all these things into effect. You realize in a lot of places around the country they don't even have photo ID, right? We do have photo ID. So we do have photo ID. So we have to have drop boxes. They are required to have. And I'm going to say thanks to you. Yeah. We have drop boxes. Yeah. No. Oh, no, we never approved that. That's WC. Yeah. Well, so that, by all means, it needs to get changed too. That's yep. So, but this is what I'm saying. I feel like this is part of the reason I wanted to be here to answer the questions and go through the list, just because there's so much misinformation out there. There's a lot of things that were done wrong in the election, and that's what we want to get to the bottom. Of. But some of the things that people are bringing up are just flat out wrong. So that undermines the credibility of all the things that actually were done incorrectly when people throw out things that in 15 seconds can be disproven because they're absolutely not. Shut up, Robin Voss. Shut up, Robin Voss. Okay, let me <laughs> look at this face. Look at this face. Look at this face. No. Oh, wait. Oh, crap. She said there's she said there's drop boxes. Thanks to me. Oh, well, shit. Now there's that moment of recognition. You see? He's like, he's like, he's like closing his mouth. His mouth is dry. He's like, mm. you see that frown? You see that, that look of recognition in his eyes? He's like, damn it. What am I going to say? How am I going to get out of this lie? Oh, oh, you know what? I'm just going to lie. 
I'm just going to lie. Oh, no, no, there are no, it's not because of me that there are ballot drop boxes. No, not at all. Oh, do you say that there's ballot drop boxes? No, it's not because of me. How do you know that, ma'am? No, can you see, you could, you guys could see the disingenuousness of his face, right? You guys could see his lie, right? You guys could see his lie. You guys could clearly see this man's lie. You can read it on his face. You can read it on his face. Okay? Man, I wish I was a constituent in Wisconsin. I wish. No. Not me. Not Robin Voss. We don't. No. Uh-uh. You see? You see all of the lies in his eyes? It is so obvious. This man lied right to his constituents. Nah. Nah. So fake. So fake. It's because he knows that on a national level, everyone knows what he did. Robin Voss, we all know what you did. And I'm, I'm sorry to say your constituents don't, or apparently they do, but they don't have the ammunition to call him out. I wish I was his constituent. You know why? Because he's easy. That's easy. He is so easy to take down, ladies and gentlemen. It would be a blessing to have a rhino as easy as Robin Voss, ladies and gentlemen. So easy, okay? Now, we're going to cite two examples of exactly how Robin Voss lied to his constituents. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, we've covered these stories here already at the Sea Report. Why is it still relevant? Because it's rhino hunting season, ladies and gentlemen, and if we don't present this information to the people, it gets forgotten. Had the woman who said, we were going to thank you for Dropboxes, been, I don't know, an audience of the Sea Report, she might have known where to look to get the info to say, right here, we have this evidence. Oh, wait, and here's another one. Here's more evidence, okay? And it's very damning evidence, guys. Robin Voss, to say, no, it wasn't me. We don't do that. It's unconstitutional. Talk about eating your own foot, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, this first article comes from, oh, the good old Gateway Pundit. And uh, uh, it talks about how Hillary's attorney, who... Mark Elias, wait, you mean Mark Elias of the uh, Durham investigation, Mark Elias? Uh, you mean Mark Elias of the uh, Sioux, Georgia state legislature because of their uh, election uh, laws, Mark Elias? You mean Mark Elias of the uh, parachute with 100 lawyers into Arizona to stop the Maricopa County audit, Mark Elias, was also in Wisconsin? Really? Mark Elias? That guy? The same one. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the same one. The same Mark Elias who seems to pop up everywhere where election integrity and election fraud concerns, anything, anywhere subversion of the Constitution comes into play, you will have Mark Elias. Okay, so uh, Mark Elias provided evidence that uh, leadership, yeah, well, it was more than just Robin Voss, so that's okay. But yes, Robin Voss, he is the one who approved or agreed to the unconstitutional ballot drop boxes. I don't know who that woman is. Okay, so right here, it says, um, one witness called before the committee fought back against the Wisconsin drop box program, and she had evidence to support it, which we found frightening. 
um, attorney Karen Muller from the Amos Center for Justice and Liberty spoke today in front of the committee made up of Wisconsin Senate and Assembly members. Muller discussed her challenges with the Wisconsin Dropbox program that was put in practice for the first time in the 2020 election. And uh, it goes on to say, per her testimony, Mueller believed that the drop boxes went against Wisconsin law. So she decided to dig into how the drop boxes were set up in the first place. She discussed the legislation regarding the setup of drop boxes, and she referred the listeners of her testimony to her website for support. There were many problems with the drop boxes, and we all know this chain of custody, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, no security. Um, at her website, you can find a number of documents, including her petition with the Wisconsin court where she filed a case against the Wisconsin Elections Commission claiming the drop boxes were not legal. So she files a case and then Mark Goliath pops up. That's right. And he was still working for Perkins Coy at this time. Mark Goliath pops up with a letter of response to her filing. And this is what Elias has to say. Elias says, in late September, for example, Wisconsin State Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Wisconsin State uh, Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald publicly emphasized that they wholeheartedly supported voters' use of authorized drop boxes, which must be secured at all times to protect ballot integrity. These legislative leaders called drop boxes a convenient, secure, and expressly authorized absentee ballot return method and emphasized that such boxes were especially appropriate for emergency use during the COVID-19 global pandemic. So I guess if that Robin Voss constituent was also a reader of the Gateway Pundit and she dug back almost a year to find this article, she could have said, Robin Voss, Mark Elias said that you authorized it expressly as a convenient, secure method for people to vote with. Okay. Uh, there was a second document. This one is um, a, a document that was found on, um, let's see here, the site states that Voss and Fitzgerald are fine with drop boxes. So this is a, an email, apparently, communication. The city of Madison's Democracy in the Park campaigns illegal connection of absentee ballots. Okay. And so we'll highlight this part down here. And uh, this is actually from... Um, it doesn't say who it's from here on this little, this is from, um, I think like if I recall correctly, uh, someone who is uh, speaking for Robin Voss, like his, uh, his, um, administrative assistant or someone in his office is the one that, uh, wrote this letter in response. And it says, dear city clerk Witzel Bell. Oh yeah. She says right here. I write on behalf of Wisconsin state assembly speaker, Robin Voss and Wisconsin State Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald regarding the imminent illegal collection of absentee ballots that your office intends to perform tomorrow through your so-called Democracy in the Park campaign. Um, so going down here, it states, and I wish I could highlight this, but it's an image. It's not a document. It says, we wholeheartedly support voters' use of any of these convenient, secure, and expressly authorized absentee ballot return methods, okay? So clearly the office of Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald are perfectly fine with the absentee drop boxes. But wait, ladies and gentlemen, there's more, okay? There is more. This one is perhaps one of the most damning. And actually there is a third piece of evidence I didn't think about now 
about uh, securing for this report in order to uh, shove Robin Voss's foot deeper down his throat. Uh, but there's this one as well. Now, this one is um, this one is really damning, guys, because this shows here that not only did Robin Voss support the uh, drop boxes in Wisconsin, but he is directly responsible for drop boxes being utilized across the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, not just in Wisconsin, but throughout these United States of America, where there was an absentee drop box, it's because it had Robin Voss's signature of approval on it. Man, guys, this dude, like, seriously. Okay, so this comes from uh, the Rantham Report. Now, if you guys remember, Timothy Rantham is one of the only, aside from um, um, Representative Janelle Branchin, who has been fighting for election integrity and for, and he's called for election decertification of 2020. This man is also running for governor in the state of Georgia, right? I mean, Georgia, in the state of Wisconsin right now. And, um, well, you know, he was a big thorn in the side of uh, Robin Voss because he just kept on exposing him. Well, in this press release uh, from um, uh, Timothy Rantham on January 14th, 2022, uh, he shined a little bit of light on Robin Voss's uh, involvement in uh, drop boxes. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and take a gander. It says, uh, State Representative Timothy Rantham released the following statement regarding facts surrounding election integrity efforts. He says, I was very pleased by Judge Michael Boren's ruling on January 13th that absentee ballot drop boxes and ballot harvesting are not permitted in state law. Now, let me just take a moment to break here, okay? Because this is the third piece of evidence that I don't have to present to you guys today. As you can see, Judge Boren on the 13th of January ruled that absentee drop boxes and ballot harvesting are not permitted in law. In fact, they are unconstitutional for the state of Wisconsin. Okay. Now, after this happened, it was called the, uh, the Friday vote, I believe. And basically during session, they had uh, Robin Voss and another senator who has opposed election integrity in in Wisconsin, um, wrote, uh, snuck into a bill language that allowed drop boxes to still be used in Wisconsin. This is after the judge's ruling. This is prior to Michael Gableman's findings, but while Michael Gableman's investigation was still in progress, which is why people are wondering, what is Robin Voss going to do? Because he's clearly playing both sides of the coin. He's not only boldly lying, but he's boldly two-faced, legislatively speaking as well, because he's writing and drafting legislation that flies in the face of what he's saying and clearly in the face of the lies that he's telling to his constituents. Robin Voss needs to go. Okay, all right, let's finish this up. Judge Boren also ruled that the Wisconsin Elections Commission guidance documents on absentee ballot drop boxes issued in 2020 should have gone through the rules process. The Legislative Audit Bureau's um, report identified 28.7% of municipal clerks all across Wisconsin used illegal boxes in the 2020 election. On November 27, 2020, 
Prior to the certification of the election results, a lawsuit was filed against the uh, Wisconsin Election Committee by the Amos Center for Justice and Liberty. The lawsuit sought to stop certification of the results due to the infusion of funding from the Center for Tech and Civic Life, which enabled the illegal use of over 500 voter drop boxes and infringed upon um, um, subsection 6.876 in all 72 counties under Wisconsin guidance on uh, on August 19th, 2020. OK, now. So that's another evidence of, uh, of um, litigation against the drop boxes, which we covered in the last article. So let's move on to the meat and potatoes. Now it says here, upon a more extensive review of the case, it was discovered that the drop box effort was organized by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA. Now, any of you folks who are following devolution and all of the agencies, right, involved in that scheme, including Dominion and, uh, and um, the um, uh, 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 Pro-VNV and uh, ESNet, all of them were involved in this, guys, right? Okay, CISA, okay? CISA was present. Ah, here's Senator Bernier. Now, that's the one that Robin Voss is um, trying to sneak legislature into um, into uh, the bills. Like he's trying to, that's the other one. That's the name of her, Senator Bernier. So CISA was present at Senator Bernier's press conference alongside the Center for Elections, Innovation and Research. CISA worked in conjunction with other national organizations like CTCL and CEIR, but the most concerning of note is the National Conference of State Legislatures. The National Conference of State Legislatures, which promoted CISA's campaign of illegal drop boxes on October 2nd, 2020. The National uh, Conference of State Legislatures president at the time was the Speaker of the Wisconsin State Assembly, Robin Voss, Rhino who later appointed a special counsel investigation into the 2020 election under a contract that states the findings may only be reported to himself. Okay. Now, it was this letter of recommendation by the National Conference of State Legislatures to all of the states in this nation that led to a decision to allow drop boxes in their state for that election. Directly responsible for absentee drop boxes, this Robin Voss is, not just in Wisconsin, but nationwide. Connecting further dots, we also discovered the director of Wisconsin Legislative Council, Anne Sappenfield, is also a member of the NCSL's executive committee since 2006. It was a legislative council's memo to Senator Bernier that said we cannot reclaim our 10 electors. I pray my colleagues embrace the light of these truths and pursue their dutiful constitution, constitutional obligations for we the people. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. 
So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the C report. And thanks y'all. So there's that guys, there is that. And of course there's more, uh, more information in that uh, release from uh, Timothy Rantham. And that's why Timothy Rantham uh, received uh, a reprisal from Robin Voss for outing him on all of that. Um, and he was, uh, his staff was removed per Robin Voss's orders. He was not allowed into any committee hearings on election integrity or audits or fraud thereafter. Robin Voss really struck back at him, really struck back at him. And Robin Voss is a weasel and he is a, he, he is the true definition of a traitor, a treasonous individual, ladies and gentlemen, that is Robin Voss. And Robin Voss gets it just one more time, ladies and gentlemen. and gentlemen that's gonna bring our show to a close for tonight i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the sea report running late 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 into the wee hours of the morning this should be a sea in the dark but um well you know we had many things to do today it was a busy day had i gone on earlier i might have done a sea in the dark tonight but unfortunately that didn't happen Subpack vet thank you so much pardon me for gifting the cookie much appreciated, much appreciated. Uh, so we'll do this again tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. We'll do this again tomorrow. Uh, we will present our story on the uh, World Health um, Organization or WHO. Uh, we'll, we'll present our story on them and their um, attempted takeover of the sovereignty of our nation and all of the nations who are working with them uh, tomorrow. I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably heard about this or maybe not, maybe not, uh, because after all, there were several distractions. And when this thing first went through, it was back in January. Okay. And uh, a lot of us are just uh, telling this story now. People are probably like, why didn't you tell this story to begin with, Mr. C? This is about losing our sovereignty in about two weeks, right? And then six months thereafter. Well, you know, election integrity you know election integrity because if we don't get our elections fixed we don't have a country if we don't get our elections fixed we don't have liberty we don't have sovereignty okay because uh illegitimate joe who his administration wrote these amendments to the ihr which they're going to review and vote on in two weeks in the world health assembly okay he can go ahead and he can he can go ahead and have his little date. We just know enough now to make a stink about it, right? But if we get our elections fixed and the certification of 2020 prior to the deadline, 
for these amendments to take place, they ain't getting in, okay? And uh, if we don't fix our elections and we don't get 2020 to certify, that's not going to happen. So yes, this took precedence over the attempted takeover by the World Health Organization or whatever they're called. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's something to look forward to tomorrow. We've got the documents and we've got some uh, perspective on it. So we'll be sharing that with you guys, among whatever else within the headlines I find we should talk about. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Headlines and news as curated by myself, Mr. C., also known as Michael Aaron Cossidis. All right, guys, we got to go. Thank you so much for hanging out tonight. We have a rather, we have a pretty big audience out there tonight. They is just listening. And uh, and you know what? I still appreciate your presence in spirit. And uh, to everyone else watching out on uh, Rumble or on Twitch, make sure you give us a follow if you like the work I do. And uh, well, as, uh, as I like to say here at the Sea Report, when we've come to the end of that road, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you guys be safe and be blessed and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.